I shall descend this night. I shall descend upon this earth and shine. Hello, faithful listener, and welcome back to A Kettle and Some String, the Doctor Who podcast where we take a random trip through all the Doctor's adventures in time and space. I'm Dave, and as my guest today, I'm delighted to welcome back Mr. Daniel Knight. How are you doing, Daniel? I'm very well, thanks, Dave. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Not too mm-hmm. bad. Starting to get pretty cold up here, but that's Scotland for you. Yeah. How's <laughs> things well, your end? Um, not bad. Yeah, it's um, the wilds of Wiltshire. I think we live in one of the windiest parts of, of Wiltshire because we're kind of high up, sort of fairly close to Salisbury Plain. So, um, yeah. It's uh, but we've had a nice sunny day. I was one of my schools. I was at today. I was helping with the um, the harvest festival. Not actually doing it. I was just sort of oh, helping, okay. uh, walking the children from the school down to the church. And I had two delightful year two no year one pupils with me. One of whom has his own catchphrase, which is, "Can I tell you something?" Because that's all he said. Can I tell you something? And then he rattled <laughs> off a stream of, and it was yeah. So it's great fun. Yeah, I'm finding, I'm getting conscious now doing this podcast that I keep saying absolutely all the time. <laughs> I've noticed that when I've been editing, I'm like, oh God, I'm going to have to watch this. I'm going to... Yeah, the one I, the, the phrase I noticed that I say a lot on these things is, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's... Whether the person does or not, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, the last time we spoke, uh, we were getting uh, chased by plant creatures and Harrison Chase was playing an organ mm-hmm. um, in his beautiful where, green cathedral where is the where's the randomizer centers this time well um even though it's uh, only the beginning of october when we're recording this it's christmas yeah uh, it's a very sunny christmas it has to be said <laughs> yes, um, uh, and uh and we've been invited to a wedding it's the wedding of lance and donna so we're going to be uh, discussing the Runaway Bride, the night two thousand two. I've got that wrong. Two thousand and six yeah. Christmas special. Yes, the second Christmas special, mm-hmm. and the first one where David Tennant appears in the whole thing, rather than sort of being in the background and waking up off his bed at some point. He's very much <laughs> in the foreground with this, isn't he? Yes, yes. I thought we'd start by talking about because, of course, it's the first episode of Donna Noble. Mm-hmm. Who, of course, is coming back very soon um, on our screens. Yes. Um, Catherine Tate, obviously, uh, plays Donna. Had you seen Catherine Tate in anything prior to her appearing in Doctor Who? I mean, were, were you an avid viewer of her comedy series? Or I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm an avid viewer, but yes, I do think she... Uh, there were some of the things that were very funny. I do like, and I know I shouldn't because the, the language is terrible, but I do like, um, I do like the, her nan character. Here he is. You can't receive it, yeah. You can't receive it. Yeah. Oh, you are a good boy. <laughs> so yeah, she's great. The, the nan's very funny. Um, yeah. So I, I, I was actually, well, you know, quite surprised to see her at the end of Doomsday. Um, and you know, you had six months between, you know, the end of Doomsday and, and Christmas to. And I think a lot of fans were a bit uneasy. What's Catherine Tate doing? in comedy you know she, in Doctor Who she's just a comedian but actual fact she's she's quite a, a good actress and a lot of people um wrote her off and we do this Doctor Who fans don't we we write off 
anyone who is who has a, a a background in comedy i mean goodness knows if the internet had been about in 1969 when the star of the the navy lark john pertwee had been announced <laughs> as the new doctor i think i think the, the it would have imploded um but then saying that peter davidson when he was when he was announced in doctor who he was also famous for being in a couple of sitcoms he did one called sink sink or swim and holding the fort so and then we had, you know, we've we've had the same with with Matt Lucas, and he was brilliant. Although I think he was kind of underused. We also have, yeah. of course, um, Bradley Walsh. But I mean, again, I wasn't surprised because Bradley Walsh had been, uh, you know, acting in things like Law and Order and was brilliant. So we he shouldn't have been. We shouldn't I have been. Five minutes yeah. of that one time on the telly, just randomly before he was in Doctor Two, and I thought, oh my god, he's absolutely brilliant. Mm hmm. And then, of course, we had John Bishop. And I have to say, I really warmed to him. I thought he was such a... And that's the thing about, about the Chris Chibnall companions. They were they were normal people and they behaved like normal people. They didn't have to have this quick, snappy, snarky, quippy dialogue that would have... If, if, if you had been stuck next to somebody talking like Amy or Clara on a long journey, you would have, you know, if it was a train, you'd have changed seats. Or got off at the wrong <laughs> or got off at the wrong stop and wait for another train. It was yeah. So I mean, they're very good actresses, both of them. But sometimes the characters, the way they they were written, were a bit too sort of quips in very short skirts, quip sort of you know dialogue, and that's yeah. and no not much substance. Whereas Dan felt like a normal person. So did so did um, Graham and Yaz. And, and and Ryan probably to, I, I didn't really warm to Ryan that well. I didn't think he was. I don't think it was a bad. I don't think he was a bad actor, but I think the the character wasn't really. Uh, he was very much a, sort of a bit of a zeppo. But anyway, that's enough about comedy character, comedy actors in Doctor Who. There's been many over the years. Um, yeah, Catherine and... T. Um, I remember our characters of Emma Bothered, obviously, which is, is it Lauren? The Lauren, girl? yeah. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. other one was, the, of course, Derek. <laughs> he says, oh, very, how very dare you? You know, everything yes. that somebody thinks he's gay when yeah. he basically is, but he's mm. like a closet gay and he's got the... In denial, yes. <laughs> but um, Russell T Davies um, decided against having the new regular companion for Series 3 in the special... Um, he instead wanted to have a different and reluctant one-off TARDIS traveller mm -hmm. whose situation would be part of the process of the Doctor coming to terms with the loss of Rose, because obviously at the end of Doomsday she's mm. trapped in a pair of universes crying buckets and then this bloody bride just appears in the TARDIS <laughs> and goes, oh! Um, he had been recommended Catherine Tate from his friend, journalist David Benedict, who had seen her in a stage play called Some Girls in 2005. Mm -hmm. um, so to hatch the plan of the casting, Phil Collinson, Davies and Andy Pryor met her in London and they wanted this casting to be secret from the press and the viewers because obviously it was like hush hush. Yeah. Um, and Tate agreed. So she only told her mother, partner and daughter, like they want me to be in Doctor Who. Um, mm -hmm. She was keen to work with David Tennant, but she hadn't watched Doctor Who before, which isn't a surprise when you hear some of the things that came out of her mouth later, <laughs> of course, that she thought the Daleks were... Uh, <laughs> yeah, were remote controlled. Yeah, <laughs> remote controlled and all these things. When she asked, "All right, who am I playing, Russell?" What? And he said on the spot, apparently Donna. She's called Donna, so he knew right away what her name was. Mm -hmm. um, 
And he wrote the relationship between the Doctor and Donna, like Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn of the 40s and 50s movies. Yeah. She was quite apprehensive to step into Billy Piper's temporary shoes and she was smuggled out on location to keep her appearance a secret before Doomsday was transmitted because, of course, they started filming, as you say, in July. Um, yeah. I think the first bit they filmed was the bit on the roof. Um, right. So you had mm -hmm. eagle-eyed people like going, oh, David Tennant's on the roof with a, somebody in a wedding dress. wonder who that is. But, of course, mm -hmm. they kept it secret who it was. Um, and she said that she was very tempted to say, okay, then, when filming Donna's final scene, and she asked, and when she's asked to pour the TARDIS, and she said afterwards it was a she was having a blast on the show. So little did we know though that yeah. she was going to be coming back. Mm. I don't well, I, I mean, she didn't initially, did she? But um yeah, I mean I think it was a brave choice to have sort of a one-off, almost like a cushion, because Billy was so successful as Rose, and I know there are some fans who disagree and they didn't like the 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 chumminess, the very close relationship that Ten and Rose had. But I mean, like I mean, it was huge doomsday. I mean, it was Phil. It was um, uh, it was shown during the 2006 around around the time of the 2006 World Cup. So it it was kind of like yeah. so you know this real big TV event in the middle of in the middle of one of the biggest football tournaments. Well, the biggest football tournament in the world, and it got eight million viewers in the middle of summer, and that was that that was huge. So that showed how. A, how successful the show had been and it was always the sort of the worry about you know it's like that that you know difficult second album would the second series you know be as successful as as the first and I think it, it really built on the success um and you had such a I, I think season 12 series series two is a is a great series I think there's a little bit of a dip occasionally but by and large you've got shows stories like you know tooth and claw school reunion um Love and Monsters, I think, is great. I love, uh, I even love New, New Earth, um, even though I know that's not a favourite of many people. And then, you know, Army of Ghosts and um, Doomsday, which had the Daleks and the Cybermen in the same episode. I mean, kids throughout history of, you know, watching Doctor Who, they've played in the playground being Daleks versus Cybermen, but it'd never been done on the TV series. So, it's a very brave choice to have after that massive, uh, you know, two-part finale um, to have, a, you know, a nice little one-off thing at Christmas with, you know, one of the biggest, um, you know, comedy stars on television at the time. Yeah, series two had some bangers, didn't they? It's not my mm. favourite series, but yeah, I can't disagree that there's some absolute corkers in that. Did you see that two-part of was huge? Mm. And everyone was talking about that, that cliffhanger at the end of the first part when the Dalek comes out the, the sphere and they're like, oh my God, you know, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. um, and then there was some debate, I think, I seem to remember at the time, about whether or not uh, there should have been a sort of, like, how can you begin a, the next story with just immediately after he's started crying, as it were, almost. But he's absolutely right to have done that because, like, what were we going to do instead? You know, have him just whooping about the TARDIS for a, for a Christmas episode and crying his eyes out? You know? That would have been, yeah, we, you know. You get all that on EastEnders later on in the evening on Christmas Day, don't yeah. you? So you'd want a nice, big, um, you know, exciting, fun um, Christmas special. And I I think this is my probably my favourite of Russell T Davis's Christmas specials. Oh, really? Um, okay. I, I don't think it's the best one, which I think is Vision uh, uh, Voyage of the Damned. 
Um, yes. I, I, I like the Christmas Invasion, but I think it's quite, it plays quite safe. Whereas, you know, this is very much, a, as you say, it's sort of like a screwball comedy with the, you know, the love-hate relationship between the Doctor and Donna. Um, and then you get this, you know, I mean, it's it's the Poseidon adventure, really, isn't it? Um, Voyage of the Damned with, with <laughs> yes, Kylie Minogue. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and that, again, was it. even huge. That was that was massive. You know, 13, 13 and a half million viewers watched that, which, you know, I think was the second most watched show of Christmas, the whole of Christmas. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think this is my favourite. I think there's a, some really good um scenes and i i interesting we you could you said about people to to give comments about this before we before we recorded and i think it was jim yeah, allenby yeah. said he thought that um that that um catherine tate was good but her, her performance was quite broad and quite quite loud but i think there's yeah. i think there's more shade in it than than we 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 give credit for and certainly more than i certainly more than i remembered because i hadn't watched it for ages and we watched. I watched it um, the other day uh, to prepare for it uh, for this, and uh, I was quite surprised actually how there are times when she's quite subtle. I mean, there are obviously there are times when she's very broad and very loud and very funny. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's a good performance. Davies at one time dismissed Donna's potential as an ongoing companion because of her abrasive personality, saying that she'd get on your nerves. And so she wasn't scheduled to return at all. She, they thought that mm. was it. Mm. Um, even in the original conception of the stolen earth, because of course he was planning these episodes like two years in advance or something. Mm. Um, and she wasn't even like in the thinking of that. Um, and it was just a talk between Craft and Tate and Jane Tranter later on where she expressed re returning to the show. And then Russell T. Davies obviously found out and thought, right, okay, um, well, this new companion we're going to create for series four, Penny, why don't we just put Donna in it instead? To bring mm. her back, and then Jekyll, she did come back. Um, Tate looked at the full time casting as a gamble on Russell T Davies' part because of her being well known for comedy sketches. Um, so she was like, Are "You sure about this? <laughs> Bringing me back?" Um, there is definitely for me a big difference between her performance in this and performance later on. Um, but I think that's simply because a one-off episode you can be perhaps a bit broader, and it's Christmas and yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that with um, the, uh, when I spoke about the Christmas Carol recently, where I think you can get away with some things at Christmas that you wouldn't get away with at other times. I think True. you can afford to be slightly bigger at Christmas. I'm not sure mm -hmm. whether the Empress of Arachnos would have had as good a reputation. Perhaps she's not got a good reputation. Um, but if it had been like series uh, four, episode four or something, I suspect that there would have been a bit more derision on oh, her performance is a Possibly. bit over the top. Yeah, but I think yeah. because it's Christmas, I mm -hmm. think, I think you, it can mask a couple of things. You can get away with a couple more things than perhaps you could have any other time. Mm. But I, I think Catherine Tate's doing herself a you know disservice because she's she is an she she is a comedian, but she is an actress and she's been in yeah. quite some serious things as well. She's um she's in a, a film called um, Starter for Ten. Okay, I have no idea that one. If you've ever seen it, it's about um, um, I think it's based on a real story about four people on University Challenge. It stars um, James McAvoy, um, 
and it turns out that his character is he cheats on on um he 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 gets to see the questions um and he's trying to impress this girl who's on his team i think benedict cumberbatch is in it as well he plays part of the team who's sort of very this sort of stiff upper class um you know university student who's quite um quite quite stroppy and quite strict um but i mean looking at imdb she's done yeah she has done a lot of a lot of comedy but she's done it she did um miss marple she was in bleak house um yeah she's done she's done drama as well as comedy um yeah where is oh here we are yeah stars for 10 she plays yeah she plays james mcavoy's mum in that and it's it's sort of like um it's a comedy drama um and i seem to remember that she was quite um you know it, it's a lot a, a, a world away from from donna and or any of her characters from a comedy series so she is actually a very good actress as, as she proved on Doctor Who. Oh, she proved it, absolutely. Mm. I mean, she does prove it in this, to be fair. Um, I think so, yeah. I do think it's just, she became this, extra, she was extraordinary in Series 4, she really was. I'll admit I was one of the fans when um, I saw her in Doomsday. I mean, we all make the thing, I, I was I was definitely one of the ones that was like going against the grain when people were saying, Billy Piper, she's going to be this, why have you got a pop star and and I, mm. and I thought, but she's been in these Canterbury Tales and everything. She must have something. You're not going to cast mm. her in that. Mm-hmm. And she was mm. absolutely brilliant. But mm. I must admit, when I saw that at the end of Doomsday and she just went, what the hell is this place? You know, I thought, oh my God, she's just playing the Lauren the schoolgirl. It is, um, yeah. Yeah, that was the initial thought of, of myself as well, thinking, oh, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. But she proved us wrong, as mm. we always do get proved wrong with these things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The Runaway Bride, though, just looking at this episode in particular, this Christmas special of 2006, began life as an idea for the sixth episode of the 2006 series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the title was going to be The Runaway Bride, um, sharing its title with a successful 1999 rom-com starring Julia Roberts. I've not seen it, but... It's... it's I would I would, um, I would, argue the word successful. I mean, it's, it, it stars Julia Roberts with Richard Gere, and they're trying, they, I think it was an attempt to try and recapture the, uh, the success of Pretty Woman, which they were both in. Um, right. And I, I've got to say, it wasn't that great. It was okay. okay. Yeah, it was okay, but not great. Later, though, when there was a request for two Christmas episodes to be made a few months later, Davies decided to save this idea for the, the idea of that rom-com, for the 2006 mm-hmm. Christmas special, and he created Tooth and Claw instead to fill in the gap. The original outline had the Doctor and Rose faced with a bride appearing in the TARDIS, as Davies felt that this was a symbolic costume and fairy tale image, which led to a screwball episode built around the car chase sequence, which came from Davies as a kid going on summer mm-hmm. holidays and imagining the TARDIS flying alongside the cars. It wasn't the only one. Oh, did you have the same fantasy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who do? Who wouldn't think, you know, you're driving along the M4 or wherever it is and suddenly, you know, this blue police box flies past. Yeah, very much, um, yeah, very much, a, um, you know, wish fulfilment seen on to, yeah, that would, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. The ending would have been a Stonehenge, but it was cost prohibitive. Obviously, later on, we do get to Stonehenge mm-hmm. with Matt Smith, Doctor, that's another story. Mm-hmm. Mm. At the onset, he knew the script would end on an ordinary street in the snow as the doctor told Donna her name was Rose. While the doc was heartbroken by Rose's loss, 
Davies said that he didn't want viewers on Christmas Day watching an hour of weeping and anger, hence he creates this screwball comedy. Eurus Lindo, the director, unfortunately, received the script in two parts. He got a script up to the web star being glimpsed, which the crew nicknamed Kevin after the Coronation Street character. And he had to wait right. two weeks. Yeah, Webster. Webster. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Coronation Street. So, yeah, sorry. The, the penny finally dropped with that one. <laughs> and uh, he had to wait two weeks to then find out what happened in the rest of the script. So he goes mm-hmm. up to the when the Webster first appears and then what happens next? Oh, you're going to have to wait two weeks because I've not written it yet or <laughs> it's not ready. Um, he watched the Bond Supremacy for inspiration of the style of the special and used model cars to plan the car chase. David Tennant read the script for the first time on holiday in Sardinia with his then-girlfriend Sophia Miles, who, of course, was uh, going to appear in the upcoming episode. Yeah. Yeah, so that must have been a bit of a bummer for him. He's like, right, I need to plan this episode, but I've only got half the script. Yeah, would, and one thing of, I, I do wonder about whether the, the chase does come a little bit too soon, but, uh, that, yeah, how do you how do you plan... To, to direct an episode that you only know half of it. But then I suppose, you know, in, in classic Who, there would have been times when you would have been, I mean, certainly in the early days where you were, you know, in the black and white era, you you might be starting episode one um, to record, you know, you know, you rehearse during the week and then record on the Friday. You might not know what episode three or four is, or even, I mean, poor old Douglas Canfield, would have probably I think he started doing the Dalek Daleks master plan um you know in November not even knowing how it was going to finish well I think no actually no that's not true because they they knew didn't they film at Ealing so they would have known some bits at Ealing. they would have known some yeah, bits but yeah. yeah poor David Maloney was even worse he never even knew what story he was doing like he was getting up space uh what was it the the pirate story with the women as the Gestapo or something. Oh, is it? The, yeah, the prison in space. Yes. And then he ended up with the <laughs> protons. I'm not doing that and gets the crotons instead. So a lot of, so a few directors said they didn't want to do that. I know this, when it came to doing the Highlanders, the director of that, he was originally doing Underwater Menace first. And he said, no, he read script and said, I'm not doing this on a budget for, you know, the Doc Two House for 2,000, you know, two and a half thousand pounds an episode. Can't be done. So he did the Highlanders and poor old Julia Smith, who ended up creating EastEnders, did the, the Underwater Menace. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I'll just plug at this point in that episode. That story has been covered in this podcast, going like <laughs> the folks, because you'll hear all about that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's quite a lot of um, directors that, in Doctor Who that, like, yeah, I've got sort of these issues, it seems. Um, but um, dear old Lewis using model cars to plan the cartridges, because that must have been a bit of a... How on earth do you... To visualise that, how on earth... Do you plan that, you know, apart from getting the toy cars and going, right, well, the car will be here, and then that car will go around this yeah. car. Mm-hmm. That must have been a logistical nightmare, really. It would have been. I mean, and also, so how how do you, presumably it was on a part of the motorway that they would have had to have closed. Um, and I don't even, th- I think, because obviously it was filmed in Cardiff. So it's, and it's, yeah, I think initially you see, it's it's filmed in part of that is filmed in London, I think, where they're under the underpass, or, uh, under the um, overpass or something, um, as if heading towards outside of London, and then suddenly they're on they're on a, a motorway around Cardiff. 
I think I'm not quite sure, but it looks like it's it it looks familiar. I know sort of that part of London fairly well, having been there a few uh, yeah. times. You're more so. your roads there than me. <laughs> I mean, not have a clue where it is. Um, Sarah Parrish, of course, uh, pops up in this, and she'd been insistent to David Tennant since he got the job of the Doctor. Talk to Rusty Davies and say, make sure he makes me a really horrible villain with the sort of with some sort of ridiculous prosthetic costume. By God, she got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> and Davies compared the tones of the Empress with those of the tortured soul from The Hobbit. So, yes. yeah, she got, um, she got her wish all right, um, mm -hmm. being clung in that harness for hours on end. I believe that her back was sore, but although she didn't complain, and yes, she got... I think she also it. suffered quite badly from mouth ulcers because the, the, the false teeth are quite sharp, so you would have scraped the side of your mouth. So she got, yeah. I think she did... Um, did get quite a few mouth ulcers and yeah, suffers for her art, but it's a, I think it's a brilliant performance. Oh, I agree, I love her in mm. this. For the char chase sequence, Tennant was strapped to a scaffold pole on the back of a low, low, a low rotor so that he could be seen in the foreground of shots of the car chase as he went out of the TARDIS. Mm. Um, Tennant called the filming Cardiff Main Street for the episode the craziest week known yet on Doctor Who in terms of public attention because, of course, by this time he's played it for a year. Everyone knows who he is. Um, and yeah, he's not escaping the public <laughs> at all by this point. Um, and he said it was blinking boiling filming this episode in 30 degrees in July. And as we've said, it shows because you can tell that this was a very summery weather going on. While filming the battle staged in central Cardiff, an American lady called Laura, returning home from war-torn Israel, ducked, under, ducked her head under the bed when the artillery opened fire outside their hotel room, because she believed that, oh my God, you know, is, is, there a, is there a war? Is there some guy? She didn't realise what was going on. Mm. The BBC apparently had warned the hotel in advance, but obviously she hadn't got the, the memo. <laughs> so this poor woman thought that, you know, coming back from Israel, that the fighting had come with her. Yeah. Mm. I, I said, I found out that the name of the road that they filmed the... Um... The, the car chase on is the A, oh, I've lost it now. Where's it gone? The A43, A4232 Grange Town Link Road. There we go. Okay. Andrew Pixley, at your heart out. <laughs> the Runaway Bride was transmitted Christmas Day 2006. And we've got David Tennant, of course, as the Doctor. We've got Catherine Tate debuting as Donna Noble. And in the guest cast, we've got Sarah Parrish as the Empress who's been in Broadchurch, Merlin, cutting it, I think is where she made her name, Blackpool. She was, yes, yeah, she was in Blackpool with because David Tennant was in Blackpool as well, wasn't wasn't, uh, wasn't he? Yeah, they've appeared in yeah. a few things together, haven't mm -hmm. they? Mm -hmm. yeah. Don Gillett, or Gillett, I think it's Gillett, is mm -hmm. a Lance Bennett. Um, yeah. And he was in Colby City, but I remember him from EastEnders. Um, not that I really watch EastEnders now, but... I knew for ages he was a, as like this psychotic villain. That I'm sure he'd done a few murders in these standards. He seems to play dodgy characters because I uh, I saw him in a we saw him in something um, recently called I'm just trying to find what it was called. It's a film called Death on the Time, starring um, Johnny Vegas. It's a, um it's all like a murder mystery comedy, and it's set on um on a, a ferry that goes from Newcastle to Amsterdam. Um, it's one of those sort of 
comedy murder mysteries that um they've, they've done quite a, they've done a few of them now with um sort of a, a mixed cast and he's in that and playing a bit of an unsavory character as well yeah he does does play villains very well he's also in a children's um tv series called old jack's boat with um with bernard cribbins but he's a, he's a nice character in that i was just yeah. gonna tease you a villain in that but he's a nice <laughs> one <in there. laughs> yes jacqueline king as sylvia noble who i remember in it must have been a couple of years. It must have been later than this, or maybe not. But she was in "Come Fly with Me" in one of the episodes that comedy series. It's now controversial uh, with Matt Lucas and David Williams. Yes, um, mm-hmm. and she played the character in that on the plane. And I just seem to remember it was here to the steward of the plane or something had to deliver a message that her dog had died, but he couldn't. He didn't have to have to tell her. So when the plane's taken off, all you see is some in the in the window waving at her and she's like what's going on and he puts up a sign saying dog dead um <laughs> but that series as i say is sort of been cancelled now yeah because, yeah uh, for various different reasons it. yeah yeah and I think she's brilliant as is donna's mum i mean that he definitely picked very good families during his era didn't he in terms of like the the battle axe mothers yeah i think that what um i mean jacqueline gets uh, gets Sylvia gets a bit more to do I think than 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 possibly Jackie and certainly um Francine um Martha's mum um I mean she gets a, a a wonderful chance to to act uh, to give a brilliant performance in turn left um and that that scene in in turn left where she's just sat in the foreground and Donna's in the background saying you know, I can't, you know, I'm going to have to get a job and, you know, you've always been very disappointed with me. And and Jacqueline's, or Jack's as she's known, she's just sat there absolutely still in the foreground. And just the the expression on her face is a woman who is totally, totally lost control of her life and just absolutely lost all hope. And she doesn't, she, all all she says in that is, "Mm," but it just breaks your heart. And she's really... You know, she yeah, she does do the the laughs and the and the and the you know the comedy battle axe mother very well, but uh, you know she's brilliant in that and and it's one of the best best episodes and one of the best performances I think. I love her um, moment in Journey's End, where the Doctor finally because he's been wanting to say it to her for ages, is saying maybe you should tell her that once in a while, and then mm. she just has the look of complete oh I've been told, but then she says. As he said, I think it's time you should leave. And mm. she's just very hardened, but yeah. at the same time knows that probably he's got a point. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Very well played. And uh, Harold Atfield as Jeff Noble, who sadly, mm. of course, doesn't return. Um, well, he did, but unfortunately. Yeah, very continue. sad. And he was in a one foot in the grave um, and chuckle vision. So immediately when I saw his IMDb page, I was like, oh my God, he's been in some brilliant things. <laughs> I don't remember him in One Foot in the Grave, which I rewatched recently. But yeah. I'm going to have to. Yeah, I don't remember him either. But uh, yeah, it's always it's it's always quite fun when you see actors from Doctor Who turning up in other places. Um, and uh, yeah, so no, I'll have to I'll have to dig out one, my my DVD box set of One Foot in the Grave and uh, see if I can find him. What was your initial thoughts uh, when you first saw this one? Um, I was, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think I seem to remember watching it on Christmas Day with the family. Um, and I think we enjoyed it. We, uh, it means 2006. So, um, 
I, you know, I wasn't married, so I didn't. I, I would have been with my family, my my parents, and we would have. Ha I would have only had about well, well two nephews. My um, one of whom would have been about three, and the other one would have been only a few months old. So I think we, you know, we we were able to sort of sit down and watch it quite happily. And and this is that was the first, you know, that was that was quite unusual before to sit down with my family to watch an episode of Doctor Who particularly one at Christmas. Um, I think we watched the Christmas invasion as well, but um, yeah, suddenly my, suddenly my family and, and my friends were also into Doctor Who. I'm not sure how, how well they, they thought of, of Catherine Tate, particularly because, you know, Billy Piper had been so, so successful and so popular, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was just the right tone for Christmas and, um, yeah, just, just what you needed after sort of like a palate cleanser, a nice little buffer between, um, between Doomsday and, and the start of the next series with the new companion. I think, yeah, I think if you'd have gone straight to the new companion, might have been a bit, yeah, I don't know if it would have worked quite so well. You needed yeah. you needed that sort of abrasive character to knock knock the doctor out of out of his mourning, really. Um yeah. Yeah, I think I I think I watched with Mum, <clears> I think. I can't remember <throat> where it was. I'm assuming it was at my parents' house. Um, and I enjoyed it as well. I didn't think uh, at the time it was as good as the one year before, but um, I don't think it was ever going to be really because that was such a landmark episode um, mm. for many reasons. Mm. Um, and I wasn't a big fan of Donna. We'll go through it, but I wasn't a big fan of Donna actually at all until the last scene. And there's one, there's a little bit before that, which I'll get when we get to it, where mm. I thought, okay, can we have more of that, please? And then we didn't really get it until the last scene. And then the last scene, it was like, right, yeah, if you played it like that the whole way through, I would have really, really liked you. But, um, of course, she came back in series four and all was forgiven. Um, yeah. And I also remember the Ragnos just being so over the top, but I absolutely loved it. I just thought, this is just mad, but I love it. Um, I mean, it's what you want, isn't it, at Christmas? A, a big, yeah. colourful, pantomime villain. And... Um... Yeah, I think if in in another episode it might not have seen quite as acceptable, but here for Christmas, and, and it's yeah, it's, it's as you say, it's a bit sort of golem like with the voice and and the the makeup and the costume is is really really it's it's so, I mean it it is a you know a person in a costume, but it's just so well designed. Um, I'm surprised they haven't brought. I mean, they haven't in, in in a little way. In some way, they have brought it back because when they did Nikolai um, Tesla's Night of Terror, um, Anjali Mahindra has plays a sort of like a, a similar character, but with it's but without the all the the uh, the, the body of the spider and and so a little bit more. It's almost like the budget's been cut, but um, gives a similar performance. And again, it's very very good. Yeah, I mean, the Ragnos came back in a big finish audio. One of the box sets, the um, classic Doctor's New Monsters, it's called. Mm. But I don't remember, it's, I think it's a Peter Davison story, but I don't remember it being that successful. Or memorable. Not, that, not that memorable by the sound of it, no. No, I think she, I think the irony is, I think she's played by Francine, who plays um, um, Martha's mum. Oh, right, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Joa Ando. Joa Ando, I think is how you pronounce it, yeah. But she um, just isn't the Sarah Parish. No. Um, she has a tracking good stab at it, but she, yeah, I think it's one of the performances where you need Sarah Parish to do it, mm. really. 
Um, mm. And I'm sure they're playing an, another Empress of the Ragnos and that. I, I don't think it's meant to be the same one. But mm. yeah, I don't remember much about it. So there you go. Um, so yeah, the Runaway Bride, we begin our story with Jeff Noble walking his doctor, his doctor, his daughter, <laughs> Donna, down the aisle to be married to her fiancé Lance when she disappears in a gaseous swirl. She materialises in the TARDIS, much to the surprise of the Doctor. Mm. Yes, yeah, so we start the episode with the same shot that we had at the beginning of Rose, and we had um, at the be- we had it at the beginning of Christmas Invasion as well, this pan yeah. into the, the earth. Into the earth, yeah. Mm. Except this time, of course, we see this nice little church, and Neris with her... I mean, we like to talk about Neris. Her pal or enemy, frenemy... Neris just has one of the. She just has this look that she gives all the time. It, it's yeah. It's such a. It's such a good performance. She gets to say very little, but just by the expression on her on her face, you know that Neris is is the friend that you really cannot trust. That it's the friend that's gonna you know stab you in the back or you know go off with your boyfriend. And she probably yeah. and that's probably why you get the face. That um, that she pulls because she's obviously the one who wanted to be with Lance, and she doesn't get all. Or maybe it's that you know they had a sort of like a, a bet who would get married first, and and Neris has lost. I've noticed um, there's Christmas lights at the end of the pews. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very garish sort of setup. Obviously, it's Christmas Eve. She's got her wedding there, and it was I just thought typical Donna sort of decor here. She's obviously decided what it's going to look like, etc. But yeah, these Christmas lights it, and like in like in the lanterns at the end of the pews, it's just so mm. garish. Like, mm. what if, um, and I love the TARDIS shot that we've got. Obviously, we saw at the end of Doomsday, where it's at the end of a, a supernova, I think he said, mm. running mm. up the star. And then you just see this, obviously, the particles go into the TARDIS. And then suddenly, uh, what's your thoughts on David Tennant and his what, what, what that he always does? Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean it's quite funny. Uh, yeah, I mean they do it again, don't they? The following—it's almost like well, it's, it, it becomes again, a tradition. They do—they do, they do <laughs> it again at the end of um, of Last of the Time Lords when he gets the the um, the the ring from uh, the Titanic. Yeah, the the safety the the rubber ring from the Titanic. Um, do, do they do it any other times? I think they were they would I think they were going to do it at the end of Journey's End. He was going to go what what. And then two side yeah. men were going to appear behind him, but they decided no, that it was just too much, and they cut it. So just to to finish, you know, looking at him being, you know, covered it, you know, soaked to the skin after being stood out in the rain and looking very sad. Hi, they've also done it at the end of Power of the Doctor as well. We have coming back. Of course, yes, um, yes. I get it's a trademark, but. Yeah, I'm not. It's sort of like I think it like it's the thingy diminishing returns almost. It's like, I okay, right, he's done what, what, what again? All right, I get it. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So was this the second time he done it? Or the first time? No, this no, would be the first this time. This is the first time. This is the first time he does it. Yeah, was yeah. Right, but mm-hmm. I just remember years later, just thinking, oh, here we go again with this same fucking <laughs> cliffhanger. Um, yeah, so Donna's first appearance in the TARDIS is just all really shouty. The what? The what? That's not even a proper mm. word. You're just saying yeah. things. And yeah, my heart sank when I first saw that because I just thought, as as I said, oh my God, she's just playing it like Lauren the schoolgirl. What is she doing? Why have yeah. we got that? Um, I, mean, I mean, it is definitely played for laughs, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And also yeah. you get the subversion of, of 
she goes when they when they when the TARDIS lands and she's walking around the TARDIS. She's seeing from the outside uh, that you know it's it's bigger on the inside from the outside, but the other way around. Rather than going into the TARDIS, she's come out of the TARDIS to realise that this big yeah. room that she was in is suddenly just a police box, which is quite a nice kind of way of doing it. I think, yeah. Yeah, it's a different. Yeah, I don't think anyone had done it that way before. No, from no. my memory. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it just struck me how she changes so much from this first sort of scene to the the woman that we see in Journey's End. It's just it's like a totally different person, mm-hmm. um, and all for the better. <laughs> I love the fact she thinks Nera's done it. So she's like, mm-hmm. "Who done this? Is it Nera's? You know, she finally got me back." And the Doctor is completely just. What the heck is going on? Who are you? What, how did you get here? He's so out of his comfort zone with this woman and throughout this episode, and it's a joy to watch. Um, and she goes to open the door, of course, and sees space, and he's like, well, yeah. actually, you need space. <laughs> she, she keeps calling him a Martian, even though he does halfway through the episode say he's not actually from Mars, and he oh. tre- keeps trying to tell her he's not from Mars. But, you know, so long, Martian. I'll see you in court as she disappears into a into a ta- uh, taxi cab. And when, I mean, those early scenes are played for laughs. You know, when they're trying to stop a taxi and and you know somebody says she's drunk and somebody says you're not fool and somebody shouts you're not fooling anyone, mate. And she goes, I think I'm in drag. Um, yeah, it's it's played for laughs, <laughs> yeah. and it's big and and it's big and bold, and you want it, and it's and it's funny. Um, I, I know some Doctor Who fans who like their Doctor Who a lot more serious will, would be you know not very happy about it but for the for the, it's it it worked for the general audience it you know it got a good it got a good audience and and people you know they wouldn't have brought back donna if if there'd been a, you know a real negative response to her but i think people did in some ways warm to her yeah i must admit i enjoyed it much more this time around than i did back in 2006 mm. knowing i think the journey that she went on just yeah. you know it's just made me really laugh i mean it's one of the, like, she certainly takes the doctor's mind off Rose for a bit, that's for sure. He's just said goodbye to her, and literally, it's like somebody knocking at your door after you've had some bad news, mm. and, uh, like, and you're totally like, what, what, what? <laughs> what's going on here? Um, I love the fact that he goes, she says, it's freezing with these doors open, and he shuts the door. She's got, it's such a witty script, and she gets so many good lines, um, mm. and he's rude, and he gets slapped. Now, slapping in Doctor Who, because it does, I mean, it does happen quite a lot. Um, and I, I, I feel I'm a little bit uncomfortable, to be honest. I, it doesn't, I don't know why, I mean, I could be, um, you know, double standards on my part, but it always seems to be a bit more vicious in the Stephen Moffat era. I mean, Clara slaps the Doctor, Amy slaps the Doctor, River slaps the Doctor. I know you get... Um, a lot of the time he deserves it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, possibly, well, certainly for Clara. Yeah, I mean, kill the moon. Oh, yeah, don't get me started on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, you know, it's it's almost as if it's uh, yeah, it is, it is what it is. It's it's domestic violence, and I'm kind of a little bit uncomfortable with it. But had it been, you know, had had the companion any either of the companions slapped Jodie's doctor, uh, you you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have got away with it. That is a very good point, and I totally agree. Um, yeah, there would have been mm. a bit of a thing over that. Um, mm. Yeah, and it's almost like a bit of an extreme reaction in this case because, like, he's just saying, right, you're not. He's all right. He's putting like 
instruments in her face trying to figure out, right, you know this, you know this. And her reaction to just, rather than just saying, well, you just get away from it, it's the slap on. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it is a bit over the top. Um, I'll, the beat that we get when she sees Rosie's coat um, is really good, where she sees the coat, of course, and says, right, well, I knew it wouldn't be the first one. And then the look on the doctor's face turns from complete bemusement to he looks thunderous. Yeah. Like, that's my friend. Get, put that down because... Mm. Um, and she says, what happened? Did she pop out for a spacewalk, tries to make a laugh about it? And he's like, no, she's mm. she's just gone. Um, and, yeah, it's just Tennant's face there. He's so, like, oh, my God. I mean, he's quite frightening looking, actually, with the look he gives her. Yeah. And he says, Trizic. Yeah, it's a very good performance, I think, by David Tennant. Um, he, I, I prefer him when he's a lot more thoughtful and in and not all shouty shouty like he was in the the trailer for the 60th anniversary. But um, yeah, I, I, it's it's sort of yeah, it's a bit like Tom Baker when he does that. Um, you know, when he does that sort of going from frivolous to um you know very serious in in scenes like um you know destiny of the daleks when he hears about where he where where the where the Mavellan commander tells him you know i'm so i'm so old-fashioned i prefer names and he says and the, the Mavellan commander says scar and he goes suddenly the face drops and it's that and tom that's what david tennant does here you know he's gone from very comedy very sort of you know what what what's going on and then suddenly you know it's like the 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 world, the wind's been taken out of his sails, and he's like, "Oh yeah, okay. I suddenly remember now. I'm supposed to be sad because I've lost Rose. I've lost my best friend." Yeah, they, they cut out a bit there apparently, where um, he was later going to after that going to take the coat and then throw it out the door, and then say oh. physic. But they cut it out because Judy Gar- uh, Judy Gardner, Julie Gardner, mm-hmm. uh, thought it was too male dramatic, and it just didn't feel right. For him yeah. to do that, mm-hmm. and I think he's right because if he had done that, it would have been like, all right, why if uh, you love your friend so much that you've lost, why would you just chuck her coat away? <laughs> but mm. I don't think that would be in character almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a transcript of the script of the the script, and it says the doctor takes the blouse from Donna and throws it through a doorway, and goes right, Chiswick. So yeah, I yeah. like his hearing this. I mean, David Tennant's hair is obviously like manic and changes from episode mm-hmm. to episode. Um, but yeah, I, I quite liked his more flattened style in this one. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We go back to the church and Sylvia, <laughs> Sylvia is just so much a control peak. She actually believes that she vanished for attention. Mm. But they've got, you see all these folk manic going about, you know, like, uh, is she there? Is she there? Mm. And um, she's even saying to somebody, I think at, at one point, um, come on, pull yourself together, that's not going to help, is it? So somebody's mm-hmm. obviously crying. And she just thinks that she's vanished for attention. Yeah. Yeah, it's and... a very caring mother there. <laughs> the TARDIS lands in central London, and Donna tries to call her mother, but it's engaged. The Doctor notices a brass band of three Santas, then Donna's in a taxi driven by a Santa. Mm. They try to fire their instruments, but the Doctor makes cash flow out a cash point. Yeah, that... I like this moment where you, you discussed it, where Donna comes out of the TARDIS and then she realises that the TARDIS is huge inside and the camera then just goes into her face and she and she literally is in shock. Mm. 
as the transcript says, Donna cannot cope with the reality of dimensional transcendentalism and is walking away. A seventh statement, yes. Yeah. I mean, he's mm. saying, like, you know, oh, is he this, is he that? And I love how he says, he's not got a zip on his forehead, does he, this guy you're marrying? Because he's trying <laughs> to figure out how on earth has this woman managed to get the TARDIS from her weather? Yeah. And he's going through There's all a... the possibilities. There are lots of references to old Doctor, well, not old Doctor Who, but you know the the recent series, recent recent episodes. So you through all this, aren't there? Um, you know, mention it. You know, mentions about um, you know Sidemen in London, and Donna goes later goes. Oh well, yeah, I was I was in Spain. They had Sidemen in Spain as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, she completely doesn't know anything that's been going on like to the rest of the human race because she was either in a hangover or she was scuba diving at one point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he has this, I mean, I hated it at the time when I watched this the first time, but I love it now, is when he says, like, um, don't you have anything like money in your pockets or something? And she says, and she has this rant about pockets. I'm in my wedding dress. It doesn't have pockets. The thing I forgot to say is give me pockets. Yes. But it does so, yeah. It's like, oh, God, what is... Stop it. It does have a... a there's a sort of like a little recurring theme about pockets, isn't there? He could... Yeah, it's sort of quite important for the pockets later on. Did you... The... um When the Doctor does the... The Sonics, the... The, um, the cash point machine... Um, and yes. all the all the, uh, all the notes fly out. They are um, they're not genuine notes, of course. They had to fake um, do fake notes, and some of them are, have got David Tennant's picture on, um, and one of them is actually um, on display in the British Museum. Oh, I didn't know that. It's in the British Museum, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's in the in the you know the, there's a section about currency and coins, and they've got sort of uh, different notes, and then because uh, we we took the we took our boys to the British Museum last year because um, one of our eldest was doing Egyptology at school. And I remember going from a previous uh, visit that they'd got um, they'd got this. Um, yeah. The, the the note used for the with David Tennant's picture on it um, that sort of instead of the Queen. And yeah, uh, the notes have got the phrase, I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of 10 satsumas. Or yes. it says no taking chances on that sort of a man. Something like yeah. Mm. And the twenty pound notes had Phil Collinson on it, saying there's no point in being grown up if you can't be a little childish sometimes, <laughs> which is a bit of a misquote from Robot. He says, Oi, when he says good luck, and she says, Oi, when he says good luck, Lance, because he's like, You are off your broker, you Yeah, marrying um, this this lady, yeah. Yeah, so they try and get a taxi and uh, of course she's accused of all sorts because it's Christmas Eve and the, the woman in the wedding dress but he just whistles and gets a taxi immediately um, and doesn't have any money of course and she says no. I'll, I don't know, I'll, was it um, and that's double for your mother or something yeah. she said you know, yeah. talk about Christmas spirit mm. um, and the doctor gets all impatient at the cash machine I notice he's behind the guy at the cash machine and he looks like he's needing a pee you know he's like come on come on well she's phoning her um, to try and say I'm on the air somewhere um, um and the minister wants the police yes. <laughs> the yes i think this is a police matter i've got one one wedding on the way and another wedding that won't leave <laughs> so yes it is a police matter yes so donna gets a taxi and she has a part in line of i'll see you in court <laughs> thanks for nothing spaceman mm. um yeah, the band. So we've got the, the Santas from the Christmas Invasion are back in all their glory, like with the brass band. 
So the Ragnos we're led to believe has taken over these robots by now. Yeah. But at that point in time, she's in a star somewhere quite a bit away from the Earth, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's fully... I think they aren't they working sort of freelance or something. It's explained later after the scene in the at the reception where yeah, they all blow she up. Takes yeah, she, she, mm. she takes possession of them. Mm. Um, and I love the fact that the the idea for the doctor to get out of a jam, the the, the brass band are about to blow fire at him or whatever, and he decides I'm just going to put cash out a cash machine and make my escape. Mm. Yeah, and, I and think then they are now doing rounds. I mean, I think you can get like they were going for like fifty pound on eBay or something back in the day. Doesn't surprise me. Dog two pounds away anything, even even a fake ten pound note with with David Tennant on it. We then have, uh, of course, the famous taxi scene. So the taxi pulls into the dual carriageway, and Donna knocks off the driver's Santa mask, and Santa's a robot. Mm. Um. This is an absolutely wonderful sequence um, where they've got, he uses a bit of string on the TARDIS to try and pull alongside her and they've got the kids at the back of the car who are like screaming like for wanting her to jump and everything. Yeah. It's just, it looks mm. it's unbelievable. Mm. And those kids would be, would be at home, you know, cheering, cheering the doctor on. So it's, it's, and that would, yeah, that's sort of like a, You'd always, as a kid, you'd kind of want to want the TARDIS to suddenly sort of fly alongside you on a motorway, and you know the door open and the doctor say, "Come on, come on on board." And um, I love the fact that the kids are cheering her on, they're shouting, "Jump, jump!" Um, yeah, it's 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 a good sort of you know bit of wishful wish wish fulfillment for kids who would be driving along on you know you imagine driving on a long you know motorway voyage on the on in the back of the car. And uh, and then the kids see the TARDIS flying along. Yeah, yeah, it's great fun, and and it's very well done. Yeah, yeah. The bit that sells it for me is the bit where there's a bit where the TARDIS bumps on top of the car on one of the cars, and then bumps off it again. And mm. just the noises and the fact that it, it, you see that just completely sells the moment. Um, I mean, there's the guy just looking at the car, just like what? what? Yeah, because it, it bumps on the top of his on the top of his roof, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the cars, of course, can't stop. You're on a motorway, you know. This, uh, which is an interesting thing that if that really happened, you probably couldn't stop. Because <laughs> you have to go. Oh shit! There's an there's a police box that's coming down the the, the motorway towards me. How there might there might have been another crash on the other side of the road though. If you're yeah, going the other yeah, way, yeah. Like, yeah, going the other way. Hang on, that's a police box smack. Yeah, <laughs> but it's absolutely yeah. wonderful. Ten car pileup. It really, really mm. is, and. Um, he opens the door, of course, with Sonic Screwdriver and says, you know, and she says, did, did, did she trust you? You know, what happened to her? And he says, she's so very much alive. Jump. And she jumps and kids are clapping. It's just brilliant. It's a great scene. Um, and they mm. land on a London yeah. roof. And Donna explains that she met Lance working at HG Clements, which handled security systems. I think for me, this is the best scene in the story because she just becomes human to me. I mean, prior to that, she's quite, you know, the the, the comedy thing. But here, she just completely settles down and, and she just is like more like a human being to me. She just, um, he gives her the yeah. coat and uses the fire <clears> extinguisher. <throat> um, and she, and her, 
just she's she's not shouting the odds. She's she's just she's mm. down. Um, and saying yeah. that of course his coat this wouldn't fit a rat, and I'm putting the finger on it, and I the bio damp and and you just see in the scene the great chemistry between them. I think. Mm. Yeah, it, she's it's a yeah it's a very good performance as you say, Catherine. It's very good. Suddenly, you know the abrasiveness is gone. The doctors rescued her. Um, and you know, so she realizes that she can trust him, and she's she's quite vulnerable in that scene. She's very the the voice is a lot softer. She's um, you know, she goes, oh, it's just it's just and, you know, he, he says you can still go to the wet, you, you can still go on honeymoon. And she said, well, no, it's just a holiday now, isn't it? And um, yeah, it's you, you genuinely feel sorry for her because you know, it, wedding day is the biggest day of a you know biggest day of, of anyone's life. And, you know, it's been, you know, she's been hijacked and suddenly, you know, is is then kidnapped by a, a robot Santa in a, in a taxi and then rescued by a madman in a, in a police box off, a, off the motorway. So, you know, I think I think anyone would be grateful to to have survived all of that. So, yeah, she, it's it's a very nice, um, softer performance. Yeah. Especially for me after, like, she's just shouted the odds at the doctor saying, you know, um, I'll see in court, gets rescued by him. And instead mm. of continuing that shouting and going, like, what these Robot Santa's about, she's literally calm when she goes, right, Robot Santa's, what's all that about? She's kind of, yeah. like, resigned to the fact that, right, I'm just having a, this is a mad day. Um, yeah. uh, can you give me some answers, please? Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And we see, of course, uh, how, and she says uh, that Lance pestered her to get married when, in fact, the fact is that it was the other way around. And we see yeah. this whole... But the H.C. Clements with a nice bit of flashback, yeah. We could get married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> please, 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 yeah. please, 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 yeah. <laughs> and getting mm-hmm. coffee from him every day. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I think it's a really, really lovely scene. Um, yeah, and of course this is where he says, "I'm not, I'm not from Mars." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then of course they end up going off to the to the. She said, "Oh, I've got this big reception planned." everybody's going to be heartbroken and then suddenly <laughs> yes. just like in all the other uh, Russell T Davis Christmas specials we get our ears blasted by Slade singing Merry Christmas everybody and everyone always is dancing and having a great always time passing. absolutely <laughs> and they're all having a ball um, and Neris is dancing with Lance which doesn't go do well I mean she's dancing with him and then she notices Donna come in and again she has to look off oh crap uh, she's in yeah. oh she's um, back oh I've, yeah so maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe we we were on the right track when we thought about um, Neris is after Lance as well, and she's annoyed that that Donna got in first. I mean, there's something in that, yeah. You had the reception without me. Mm. <clears throat> and again, it's a nice bit of character for Donna when suddenly everybody starts shouting, "Well, where, where were you? What happened to you? Where are you going?" And then suddenly she bursts into tears. And of course, you know, Lance goes over and gives her a big hug and they turn around and you see Donna looking at the doctor and she gives her a big wink. She gives him a big wink. And it's it's very funny. It's very manipulative, but shows shows that she's, you know, there's a lot more to this Donna than just a big mouth. She's actually very clever and and yes. quite um yeah, quite manipulative in, in a way. But um, I noticed even after that, when she starts hugging him, she just folds her arms and sort of does the huh sort of Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it's a really good song again. We heard them um, obviously like a song for ten the year before. This time we get Love mm-hmm. Don't Roam. Yeah, uh, which uh, I had on repeat um, the other day. Um, listen to it, and it's a really good uh, song. I think um, it is a good song. Uh, it's Neil. Oh, I forgot the guy's name um, from Neil Heron from the um, from the Divine Comedy. Um, we actually had it played at the reception at our wedding. Um, oh, not right. as not as the main song, but um, yeah, one of the songs at, at our wedding, and the the DJ said. Oh, there's somebody in somebody here must be a big Doctor Who fan, and everybody sort of everyone in the room turned and looked at me. I don't know why. <laughs> Wonder why. Hmm. And the lyrics are a good link to um, like what the situation Auntie Rose, and of course they have the the moment where the doctor's um, just at the, the the bar, sort of I'm assuming he's no drinker, and he's just sort of standing there with his specs on. He's and, wiping, um, yeah. Yeah, and then he's watching everyone, and he seems happy, and then he just gets lost in the song, and and sees mm. the the woman obviously like get picked up, and it links to the scene in New Earth, and he just has that beat moment of uh, remembering her for a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. the bit bit from um, New Earth when um, when uh, she Rose sort of faints after Cassandra's um, left her, you know, possessing her body, and Rose faints, and he catches her, and. Uh, while he's watching, um, I think doesn't um, you know Donna and Lance are dancing, and he's you know he swings around and sort of dips her down, and that sort of reminds the Doctor of of, of Rose again. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, very very it, cleverly done. I like it here the whole uh, sort of thing to Rose because it would be a mistake to just uh, oh well you know it didn't happen. It's it's it, you know you couldn't do that in the new series now where like suddenly you just forget about it and move on. But I do mm. think in series three it went on a bit too long. I mean, I don't mind it here in the first couple of episodes of series three when the doctor's saying, you know, like, uh, not that you're replacing her and all that. But after a couple of episodes, he's still sort of going on and on about it. And I did think by about the middle of season three, oh, come on, just stop it. Get over there. Yeah, move on. You can't imagine it happening in the, in the classic series, can you? You know, there's there's the doctor moping about, you know, having to leave Sarah Jane on Earth because he goes to Gallifrey and then, you know, Leela's fed up. You know, you can just imagine Leela saying, you mentioned this Sarah Jane one more time and I shall cut out your heart. So it doesn't, <laughs> yes, you know... you would have said that. Mm. Yeah. But to be fair, that is Martha's story, I guess, and that's why she leaves him because she's like, I'm sick of being the, the spare party or, you know, mm. this, you're not looking at me. Um, how funny is the cameraman? <laughs> yeah. And what's a Welshman doing in it? Well, I, you know, what's the Welshman doing now? It's quite funny that occasionally you get characters who are... And at one point, I think he's, he's trying to sound Liverpudlian, but he's very Welsh. I mean, the actor is called yeah. Rodri, so... Um, but it is a very clever... Yeah, the, the accent's a little bit variable, but he's very funny. Yeah. I think I might send it into the You've Been Framed. Yeah. yeah. Of course, he's filmed it and seen this. I mean, I, I love the fact that like the whole church has seen all of this mm. and nobody thinks it's aliens or anything, even though, or nobody says that, even though like uh, there's been the, the cigarettes thing and all that, they're, they're convinced that she had some magic trick that made her disappear. Um, I'm, I'm, I think Russell T Davis missed a trick because it does the, the sort of sparkly effect. It does look like the original sort of um, transporter effect from Star Trek. So you kind of wonder, did nobody, did nobody think, hang on, is she being beamed up to the Enterprise or something? Did nobody, but I guess they, yeah. I guess they couldn't have mentioned. Maybe they didn't want to mention Star Trek. Although they do, they, they do call 
in the empty child doesn't she does say rose does say come on give me a bit of spark you know yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah so that does have a very star trek effect actually mm. when you see her just screaming and then her face just yeah so there is there is star trek is real in the doctor who universe certainly in in the russell t davis era so the doctor sees um first of all he picks up a phone of somebody and then he does some wizardry with the phone and finds out that H.C. Clements is owned by Torchwood mm. and then he wants to look at the camera because he wants to see the and he's like saying that it's Huon particles they've not existed since the dark times and you know and then he has this moment unfortunately of Huon particles can't be masked by the vial damper that he's putting her finger so the mm. Santa's no finder um, and I love that zooming into his face when and that sound sort of sound effect, that sound effect was yeah, like, whooshing, you're not going to be yeah. fine by around, am I? Um, it's in, just in the classic like series, that would have been the end of an episode, wouldn't it? Yeah. That sort of zoom, and then you get a... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just, I love the energy in this episode, where it's just like, boom, 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 things mm. just going on and on and on. Mm. Um, so, they, of course, he goes outside, they're checking, and the Santas are, have surrounded the hotel, and... Um, it's clever how I thought that the trees do something different this time. So the, obviously the audience would think, oh, right, the trees, they're going to do the saw effect again. But then it doesn't. The, it, I don't think this is quite as effective um, in terms of, like, it would have been fun if they had the spinning Christmas trees again <laughs> in, the yeah. in the reception. But instead the bobble squap and are dancing and everyone just, oh, right, it must be remote control or something. Mm. And then suddenly, of course, they start smashing things and blowing things up and, there's a guy leaping it at the wedding cake and chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, until the doctor, of course, is beside the sound system and he says, "Oi, Santa! <laughs> <laughs> don't put him. Don't let me near the sound system." And he's able to completely reduce the robots to dust, almost. But everyone's all right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, he said the doctor says, no, they wanted you alive. Look, and he throws a bauble to Donna. And and um, it's so, yeah, it, I think a, a big massacre on Christmas Day doesn't really work. I know some episodes, <laughs> some Christmas yeah. episodes, you do get people being killed off. I mean, very much so in the next Christmas special. But I think it would have been it would have been, yeah, it would have been quite jarring the, for the tone of this episode. Um so yeah, you do see a lot of sort of you know explosions and people being sort of blown off their feet, but nobody so much really nobody gets killed, I don't think. And uh, yeah, you've got to think about this. There would have there are scenes with children in that, so you would have. So I think yeah, yeah, editorially they would have been thinking we can't really have you know people being killed off in this scene. And also, you know, if you'd have killed off Donna's Donna's parents, you know, that would have been that would have scuppered half of series four. The, uh, yeah, it wouldn't have treated the tone in the episode, would it? No, no. Yeah. And the doctor, when he um, he's examining the thing, and she's saying like, "Look, you know, people are hurt. You could help." And he's like, "I need to see the bigger picture." Mm. He completely dismisses that he's got a job to do in help terms of helping him. He's like, "No, I need to know what's going on here. I need to find out who's controlling them." And and then he goes outside with the the robot head, and this is the, the sort of key moment for me for Sylvia because she says, "Who is he? Who is that man?" And then she doesn't give an answer and runs out, which probably shapes Sylvia's whole opinion on that he's a he is this. He's rude. He's not speaking to her. He's not accept. Yeah, mm, definitely. And he's just completely ruined. Mm. Uh, like probably giving them a big hotel bill, <laughs> you know, yeah. blowing up the whole the whole room. Um, yeah. 
It's a shame, though, it, it's filmed on such a sunny day because it does look very much, obviously, that it's July and not and not Christmas. But it does. I, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't try and do sort of a little, little bit of that in the editing that they do. Um, oh, I forgot what the word is. Yeah, and the colour they, they, like they did in the grading, that's the it. DVD, mm. Almost. Yeah, where yeah. they could have just taken the light down. Taken slightly. the light down a little bit. But it's yeah, it's it's only on screen for a few few seconds. So it's not. It doesn't really spoil it, but um, yeah, it's the sunniest Christmas I've ever seen. <laughs> the Doctor traces the Santa's control signal to the sky, where the Empress of the Ragnos watches from the control room of her spaceship, the Webstar. So, clever, clever, I shall descend upon the servant's shine! <laughs> so all you see at this point is a spider claw on a web, um, mm. which looks really intriguing, and she's saying, clever, clever. Um, I think the star looks amazing. It's a good um, effect, yeah, yeah. But Russell T Davies has been very cheeky. A deadly Christmas star on Christmas Day. There's a she says something about snicker snacker or something, doesn't she? The Queen, the the Queen. Isn't there some? Is that sort of reference to something? Ah, yes, snicker snack is in um, Lewis Carroll Jabberwocky. It's a snicker snacker. It's a disrespectful laugh. The thoughtful blade went snicker snack. Yes, that's where I that's where I found it from. Yeah, where where I thought it was from. Yeah, ah, I've never even got that reference. To be honest, mm. she doesn't look. It doesn't look very comfortable for her though. I mean, it looks like when you see the shot when she's in the web, it looks like she's almost in a harness. Yeah, like, I think she is actually. Up. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look comfortable at all. And I think um, there's people sort of su supporting her as well underneath while she's. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good, it's a brilliant costume, I think, and and a very good performance. I mean, in the, when she's in the, the star, though, when she's like, she, she's like in harness, almost, and, and she's covered in web. Um, but, yeah, it just looks like that would not be a yeah. comfortable position to be in. Although no. it doesn't comfortable later either, as you see, when, when mm. you see her. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm, yes. But, yeah, so I'm just, I'm trying, I was trying to figure out where she's been then. So she's been in the star at the edge of the solar system or something, she's managed to contact Lance somehow mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to get him to... Right, because as we find out, we find out that Torch would drill to the centre of the Earth. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they didn't get Stalman's gas, but that's another, that's another story. <laughs> um, so they didn't find the any the green Earth. slime either from... There's um, no green slime, there's just no. ragnos, spider mm. creatures at the bottom. Um, so they've dropped the centre there. I'm assuming they've seen or they've seen that there's something there, and then they've been silenced or something. That's woken up the Empress, who's been at the edge of space somewhere. Mm -hmm. She's managed to contact Lance, who's and talks through the door, making these human particles in liquid form. Yeah. So she's either taken over the. I, I was trying to reconcile my head. What what happened? Really, just, because yeah, <laughs> you know. So Torch has just got the space. They've dropped the centre of the earth. They found the, the these rachnos, I'm assuming, or something. Then what's prompted them to make the human particles and then for the lance to be involved and then for the spider to, <laughs> to contact them? I think it's one of those things where you just have to accept that it that it's happened and and that and you just have to move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah, it doesn't quite make sense. Not quite, no. No. Because Torchwood, London would have been in charge of that operation, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, and it's before Canary Wharf. So unless Lance was, say, maybe Lance was a, a, 
a torch food operative who discovered the diagnosis. He got mm-hmm. a job in HP Clements because um, it was the dummy organisation um, hiding it. He got contacted by the Empress. He managed to get everyone off site somehow. Or yeah, I've got a theory that Lance is the is the key to this. He was a I think he was a tortured operative. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't I, I don't think it's ever really sort of properly explained. I think it's just you just have to sort of yeah. Yeah. It's not <laughs> quite yeah, it's not quite worked out properly. I don't know. But um yeah. Well, she's contacted him anyway. So yeah. and and uh, he's uh, been given this as we find out uh Right, I'll I'll show you the stars or something if you help bring the Ragnos back, even though it'll kill the human race. Mm. But also, but also, why why choose Donna, who is quite a um, quite a volatile personality? Um, there's no, you know, you you've got no chat. Well, maybe he maybe she does he does think that she's going to sort of stick around, but she could sort of, sort of turn around, going, "No, I've had enough of you," and then walk off. And then how's he going to? Continue to, you know, keep um, giving her the Huron particles. So, uh, yeah, I think it's best not to think about it too much. Yeah, I I agree. It's Christmas. (laughs) Arriving at HC Clements with Donna and Lance, they descend into the secret lower basement, emerge into a corridor, and continue on sedgeways until they come to a Torchwood lab directly Mm. under the Thames flood barrier. Then the wall slides up to reveal a flood chamber with Robiforms around it. I love the beautiful way I thought to explain what happened to Donna that using a mug and a pencil. I thought yes. it was so clever mm. mm-hmm. to explain that to the audience that mm. you've got human particles in you, so that's what's happened. You've been attracted to the TARDIS. There's no other human particles around in the universe, so you were sent across space into my TARDIS. Mm. And, yeah, I, <laughs> she orders Lance into the um, the lift, which I thought was really funny. He's like, oh, I'll go and get the police. No, get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knows that they're on. They're on the trail. They, yeah. He knows they're getting close to to finding out what's going on. So he obviously wants yeah. to try and get out of it. He's um, also going to contact the, the, the empress with fights before. Yeah. Fight or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love um, the hidden floor thing, which reminded me completely of. There's a film that was on Bravo years and years ago. I don't think it's a really good film from my memory. Nightmare on the 13th floor, it's called, which is all about a hotel that's got a hidden 13th floor, and it's got a similar thing in the lift where you you, you can't get on that floor. And then right. it turns, it's all about this uh, floor the, 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 where there's a psychotic killer that kills folk, whoever goes on the 13th floor. I don't know, okay. I, but just, this whole idea just reminded me of that, where there's a secret floor that nobody can access. Okay. I haven't seen it, so and you're not and you're not really building it up, so I don't think I'll bother to see it. Anyway. No, I, I just I think it had uh, her who was in some deep Star Trek Deep Space Nine episodes in it, but uh, anyway, right. I digress. Um, the lighting in the corridor looks fabulous with the green, mm. and he's he shoots it not straight on; he shoots it like at an angle. Yeah, to give the space. I wonder if it's one of the if it's filmed in the um, underneath the um, Millennium Stadium because they filmed lots of things down there, don't they? Yeah. Um, so it could have been could have been one of the times when they've used that. It's, I think it's it the, the stadium. Yeah, they mm. always go back there. Yeah. Um, Lance isn't amused as they laugh like they go in the sedgeways. I mean, you could ask why is the sedgeways just in the middle of this corridor? But hey, it was 
there's long <laughs> corridors, they needed to get yeah. A to B fast. Um, mm-hmm. And they're both laughing at the absurdity of this, and Lance's face, face is just... Mm. I'm not going to understand how you're not taking this seriously. Yeah, yeah. And we see a shot of the Thames barrier. So he goes up uh, saying, right, I need to find out what we are. And then we find out that this whole base is underneath the Thames barrier. And she says, you know, a secret base. He says, a secret base under a, a landmark. You would never think of that. Would know. <laughs> yeah, another cheeky reference to, yeah, to Torchwood and, yeah. And also later on when you've got, you know, a, a mystery... Um, you know, a secret unit based under the Tower of London. So, uh, yeah. And there's more to come as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lovely moment where he, he says, what What do we do? What's happening? And she just does, a, she just turns to him and says, oh, I was thinking July. And just gives him a wee nose scrunch. And he's just, what? <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's not thinking of the bigger picture, is she? Still not thinking no. of the bigger picture. No, oh, well, you know, yeah, reschedule for the, the wedding for July. Yeah, I thought the Torchwood base looks brilliant in terms of like you've got all these like pillars of water and the bubbles mm, in it. Yeah, um, as I say, why they're making human particles to begin with must be because the Ragnos says to them, I need human particles to access the, 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 the Ragnos. Mm. Um, and there's a shot through the bubbles where he looks through the bubbles and he's tapping it. And the doctor's just completely re-energised at this point, just like, this is genius, you know, and, and he's so enthusiastic about what's mm. happening. And he gets yeah. a slap again, though, because, of course, he's like, he turns the the liquid form, it's almost like a, a what do you call it? A, what's the thing you use for injections? Oh, hypodermic. Epidemic, a syringe, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and he just, uh, that's the word. <laughs> then he turns it and it, she lights up and mm. he's saying, oh, it's because you're wedding, all the, the hormones and all the rest of it. So, yeah, he could have just married anybody. <laughs> but he mm. chose to marry, as you say, the, the most yeah. Yeah. volatile and, yeah, personality. And, yeah. But I think that also, that shows, also that shows that Donna is quite vulnerable and she's quite trusting and that she's... She doesn't. She has absolutely no idea that the man she's marrying is secretly poisoning it, poisoning, poisoning her. If I can get my teeth in, um, <laughs> with you know ancient particles from the dawn of time. You know, we've all been there, haven't we? You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. In the middle of the chamber is a shaft drilling down to the centre of the earth. The Empress transports down from the star. She is a gigantic spider. <laughs> Um, I loved her line, prepare your best medicines, Dr. Man, for you will be sick at heart. Yes. And Sarah Parrish is just so over the top, but so she just eats the scenery and it's brilliant. I mean, mm. I, I was thinking, these are the most powerful, these creatures were banned by the Time Lords, destroyed by the Time Lords. They ate devoured planets, we're told, although I mm. think it's more devouring people rather than devouring like actual planets, as, as yeah. it were. Mm. And she literally, she doesn't show much power in this, so rather than other than shout, get other people to do things and cut a web so that um, the particles go down into the shaft later on. She, mm. She's mm-hmm. it's all she's all mouth is the diagnosis. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And then of course we find out that um, you know Lance isn't quite as uh, innocent as he as as Donna thinks he is. And, no, uh, I mean he's he's coming up. You know, he holds the he's holding the axe, 
and you think he's Which... just you just you think he's about to you can sort of, he disappears doesn't he he gets an axe and you're just seeing just as he's about to you think you know he's he's creeping up on the um on the empress and just as you think he's about to swing he sort of turns around and laughs yeah, yeah. i mean i think she learns a lot of phrases from him she must mm. do because he speaks very uh, chatty english does this right nose see my christmas dinner and all that um but yeah he's a sadistic more on this guy. Yeah. He, I mean, he never just went to the Empress, right, um, by the way, we've been found out, they're coming down, Donna, I've got the bride here. He then mm. goes along with this act, the two of them, of, I'm going to kill the Empress with an axe, but actually I'm in league with her and cackles insanely, you know. So he's sadistic. Um, and he just completely destroys her, doesn't he? Saying, like, did yeah. you realise how bad it was the last six months for women who most excited about a new flavour Pringle and yeah it's just who isn't who isn't excited about a new flavour of Pringles yeah he's <laughs> he, he, I mean he really runs it down he says you know a woman who can't even point to Germany on a map and and it really and you see and and Catherine Tate plays it really so well that she oh, it's yeah. almost like she just cannot believe that this man that she trusted and fallen and, and has fallen in love with and is about to marry is a complete yeah swine yeah. Yeah. I mean it's he completely destroys her. Um mm. and she's like, I don't understand. And the doctor softly says to her, you know, he must have been poisoning you for six months. Mm. And yeah. she can't believe it, you know. Um yeah, I mean it's just it's heartbreaking. Mm. And mm. <laughs> we have a brilliant at that point, Sarah Paris pipes up as she does a few times, take him. <laughs> Because, of course, they're like, let's murder this doctor man. Who is this little physician? Kill this um, little chattering little doctor man. Yes. <laughs> so I love our lines in this. Um, and what he does, though, is quite clever in that he says, right, well, if I can bring, the TARDIS can bring Kurt to the TARDIS, then we can reverse it. Mm. But I did think when he was doing it earlier in the lab, why did the TARDIS not suddenly appear when he was showing it to her in the lab? Maybe he needed more than he had at, at that time. I don't know. You don't, sir. Maybe. <laughs> I'm there there was insufficient Huron particles at that time to to bring the TARDIS back. So, but to use I'm a bigger. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So um, the doctor's now in the TARDIS, and then immediately, like. He's, he's in big mode, you know, right, we need to find out what's happened. Let's go back in time. Let's find out what happened. And there's a beat where we just see Donna absolutely heartbroken and crying. Mm. Um, yeah, she's fabulous, isn't she? She's just so good. Yeah. Um, and they travel to the creation of the Earth and see a web star moving through the clouds. And it's the mm. Ragnos we find out who's become the centre of the Earth. The music that's playing... I think is really beautiful when the, he, he opens the door and they're, they're watching this is the creation of the earth mm -hmm. um, and he makes this speech about because um, she says he's right we're tiny and he says but that's what the human race does you make sense out of chaos like Christmases and weddings and can't remember the other thing he says but oh yeah um, it says marking it out with weddings and Christmas and calendars the whole process is beautiful but only if it's being observed and then a large yeah. rock drifts by, and she says, "I think that's the Isle of Wight," which which <laughs> gets a big laugh. But it's a, it's a very nice tender scene, and it and it it sort of shows that you know it shows 
why they chose to bring Donna back because they do yeah. have such good chemistry together. And I it think a lot of fans do. preferred the fact that the Doctor doesn't have a romantic attachment to to his companion. They're just friends. They're just uh, yeah. She's just they're just mates, and it um and and I think that's why that's why they're so successful as well. I think personally, it's all the better for that. To be honest, I mean, mm. I mean, we know that folk love the Doctor, and certainly Sarah Jane in the old days loved the Doctor, for example. Mm. Joe loved the Doctor, but they don't have to go down the route of like everyone loves the Doctor in a romantic way, you know. It, mm. it, I did think that, and I think it's all the better that they're just two chums, just yeah. Well, that's it. The Doctor says, you know, have you met Miss Smith? My, she's my best friend. They were best friends. They are, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, as I say, I'm not adverse to, like, obviously, we've had uh, the thing just recently with the the 13th Doctor and Yaz, the mm-hmm. Yasmin, as the, as the people on Twitter call it and all that. Yeah. I'm not adverse to that, but I think the series is better when it's just the Doctor travelling with, and it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's, it's just them having adventures and we don't have to do all yeah. this dramatic stuff all the time, but mm-hmm. that's just me. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, 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 fair point. I mean, I like, I like the, the, at the time, I liked the, the the narrative between the Doctor and Rose, but I think it might. I think it had to come. There's there's no way it could have continued. It had to come to an end as as it, as it did. Yeah, um, I think it got a bit too chocolate box for me, and it was just like a bit sickening. I'm being honest. There were a couple of times. There were a couple of times in the in the Impossible Planet where they're quite, um, yeah, smug and. Yeah, a little bit, um, a little bit um, yeah, not unbearable. Like, yeah, it's a little bit smug, but um, but you know, by and large, they 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 work they they work very well together. I think so all the cool. I think that so all the ten all the ten companions they work well together. Um, I just wish he hadn't been such a such an ass to 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 Martha. But as yeah, you say, yeah, it went on a bit too a much. Yeah, and he gets his comeuppance, as I say, when she makes a decision. You never mm. looked at each. She does the example of her friend who was in that situation and said, "Get out," because he never looked twice. And then he realizes mm-hmm. when when she goes, actually, I've been a bit of a real dick to her. Really, mm. um, yeah, she deserved yeah. better. Um, yeah. So meanwhile, uh, the Ragnos thinks that obviously uh, Donna's unobtainable <laughs> for her key. So poor Lance gets dosed with particles to create a new key. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, she's been taking six months, but somehow just just shoving a whole shoving along a big yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those one of those big cans of water you get water um water coolers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how he did they drown? I don't know, but um, <laughs> but um, yeah. And he's the, to be the new key, and then it brings the TARDIS back like a almost like a magnet. Mm. But he's able to put it in the corridor instead. So yeah. he's trying to find, and then unfortunately, Godona gets captured, doesn't she? Because he's he's telling the story. You've never been so quiet in any turns, room, <laughs> and he's, she's disappeared. Yeah, so they're both in the in the web now. The Ragnos has got Lance and Donna both in the web, mm. and yeah, I mean, she basically explains that the Christmas star is going to turn humans into almost like beef casseroles. Yeah, she, like she's going to like. So when the Ragnos wake up, they can devour humans, but just make it a bit easier. Let's just fry them, as I'm assuming is mm-hmm. the idea. Um, yeah, that yeah. kid's Reduce human. them to meat, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she, she brings this weapon. Well, in fact, first of all, Lance gets killed, doesn't he? So he, she's he ends like, up falling down the hole, yeah. 
My funny little lines, but you are quite unpolite to your lady friend. The Empress does not approve. And he goes down and is the key and wakens up the Ragnos at the centre of the earth. Um, yeah, so she brings this star along to kind of like burn humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, that kid screaming. This, this kid who gets separated from the parents and the chaos and yeah. she just goes... Oh, look, there's a Christmas star, Daddy, and then suddenly the parents disappear and the kids yeah. are left screaming in the middle of the road while there's a big, you know, lightning bolt streaking towards her. Yeah, not very good parenting, I would say. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, now, the last time we saw the doctor, of course, he opened the door again to looking up at the Thames Barry and there was a robophone. Mm. Mm. And suddenly he appears, or the robophone appears in the chamber and... The Empress says basically, I know you who you are, Dr. Man or something. Um and it's the doctor. And he gives the stand we have the standoff moment between the doctor and the Ragnos, where he's saying, you know, I'll give you one chance, because of course this is a doctor with no second chances. Um mm-hmm. take the offer of going, I'll take you to you and your children to another planet, but end this now. And she's like, These men are so funny, uh, I have to decline. And um, yeah, he releases Donna, which is this yeah. is a really funny moment where he releases, I'll catch you. And she swings across the chamber and hits and the wall. And clank against the wall. Yes. And then we get a reprise of the pockets joke where he brings out the um, the remote control. And she said, Guess what I've got, Donna? Pockets. So he's got the remote, the robot remote control in his pockets. And they are bigger on the inside, which is a nice little joke for Christmas. Yeah. But he has he has this standoff, and she says, "Well," and then he does. He says, "Right, well, you did this, no one else." And then he brings out the baubles, puts them in there. She knows exactly what he's going to do, and she says, "No, no, 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 no." Mm. But because this doctor has only got the one chance thing, he doesn't. He then go, "Right, okay, then, right, are you going to reconsider?" He goes through with it. He basically destroys the Ragnos. Yeah, he causes the, the Thames the Thames barrier to. What should I say? He he drains the Thames, mm-hmm. and Russ T Davies has another really funny joke here with putting the spiders down the plug hole. Almost. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's also the first time in the new series we get to hear Gallifrey being mentioned. Yes. Um, and that, that and that's moment. and that's a nice twist because. The, the the Time Lords murdered the Ragnos, according to the Empress. And so, yeah, the Doctor gives her, doesn't give her a second chance. Does he go too far? Well, it's sort of implied that, and then that's why that's why Donna's shouting, you know, you can stop now. Um, and she realises, I think she's, yeah, she's getting an idea of the bigger picture, and she's realising what the Doctor's doing, what the Doctor is capable of doing. And that's why she tells him that she can that he can stop now, and it's a it's, it's quite a pivotal moment in their relationship, I think, because she realizes that it isn't just a bit of fun and it isn't just a little bit of he's he is actually, you know, who he says he is. He is quite a powerful person, and he can he will he will do things to save people. He will do things to save the earth, even if it means killing a race of you know prehistoric alien spiders. The whole scene is just looks magnificent. I mean, the, the you've got the Empress screaming, no, my children, mm. in complete mm. despair. We've got mm. water, we've got flames going off, 
We've got the doctor just standing there on the top of the, the ladders, looking like almost like a demon with his face, stern face with yeah. the control in his hand. And it's that shot, isn't it, when she says, Doctor, you can stop now. And he's and he changes and he starts almost crying because he's like, mm. Yeah, um, um it's almost like he realizes it's, it's, it's almost yeah. like it's very cathartic. He's feeling because he's lost his friend, he's lost Rose, that he has to do this. It's almost like he's he's it's it, it's purging of all his emotions and he's he's going to kill them because that's he needs to get rid of that fury and that anger and that loss. Um, it's almost like he wants the. I don't know whether he. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But it, it's like he needs somebody to know how he's feeling, and the, yeah. to lose someone. So he's making sure that the 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 empress knows what it feels like to lose someone that they that that she loves. Maybe I don't know. But it's that that look on Tennant's face, as you say, it's it's quite it's it's so stark and serious. I mean, you see it again at the end of the Family of Blood when he sends all the different family members to their fates they're just he's yeah. very you know it's very emotionless there's no very still that's still uh, almost fury yeah, that's, that's, which is far funny. more powerful than when he starts shouting which yeah i don't always like but there we go that's, that's yeah story. this funny like jokey doctor has mm. got a very very dark side mm. Mm. You know, and Indeed. it obviously accumulates near the end with the time of Victorious and all that. Um, but yeah, the, the whole scene is just expertly shot. And then, of course, uh, the Empress teleports to the star because she's mm -hmm. like, I am going to beckon and take it out on the... And she's lost her kids. Basically, yeah. he's murdered her children mm -hmm. of whole race. Mm -hmm. um, unless they can swim very, very well. Of course, they're... they're I was going to say dog meat, but they're, they're spider meat. Um, but unfortunately for her, that she's used all her power, so she's defenceless yeah. and destroyed by tank fire, which is an order from Mister Saxon. Wonder what he mm. is going to pop up later. Wow, on. who is this mysterious Mister Saxon? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Doctor returns Donna home, but she turns down her offer to travel with him, but makes him promise to find someone. Um, I love the destruction effect of the star. It's almost yeah. like ribbons when it disintegrates. Mm, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How on earth would we get what they do with changing... Uh, start again. Um, draining the Thames. Mm -hmm. I was reading that the Thames is actually shrinking in water volume like everywhere else because, of course, global warming and um, mm. or, and the planet's getting hotter and everything. Yeah, if they did drain the Thames... Would they be able to? I'm feeling really stupid, but would they be able to fill it? Again? I don't know. I don't know. Would there be? Because I mean, the the Thames it's a flood barrier, so would they just open the flood barrier to let more seawater in? I I don't know. I, and I is it just that part of the Thames, or is it? Because the Thames is quite long. I used to, you know, it goes all the way through up to Oxfordshire. Um, you know, is that all? Has that all disappeared down there? Down that that? How big is that plug hole? I mean, if it's yeah, because, if it goes yeah, right I, down to the centre of the earth, it's a lot longer than than the the length of the Thames, I would say, isn't it? I don't know. I should know. It must be. Must be. Does it say yeah. how far they've gone down? I can't remember if it says how far. Oh, okay. how far it's just to the centre of the earth. So I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it must be. Oh, it was a lot. Yeah, fuff. Yeah, what am I saying? It's far <laughs> longer than the length of the Thames. That's just yeah. sort of like almost like a drop in the ocean down there. Yeah. yeah. 
definitely glasses half empty. I mean, I mean, the science, I guess, would be if we think about it too much, is yeah, that probably wouldn't have even worked because aren't we supposed to think that there's magma doing there and all that, and mm-hmm. we managed to bypass all of that and. Yeah. yeah, I think it's one of the things. If you think about it too much, it makes yeah. no sense. But Indeed. yeah, the ragnos are there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's how the, I'm assuming the Thames gets filled up again because it's back in later episodes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing we see is these boats that are obviously beside them. These uh, they're marooned because all the water's gone. Um, I mean, he's a, he's he's lucky the boats that they get dragged in. <laughs> But yes. the big yeah, boats. why is it just the water and not everything else that's on the water? Well, people would have been, you know, in boats on the water, and I suppose I don't know. But there's only a certain the, there's only a certain hole size hole that the, yeah. that the explosion. So maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. But, aye, but that whole building surely must have collapsed. You know, when he's able to go up the top of the building later on and say, "Aha, we've drained the Thames." It's like with the yeah. power of all that water. That's surely. on. The, that's they're actually standing on the Thames barrier there, aren't they? It's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah I, I would have the, thought the Thames barrier would have been absolutely destroyed with the force, but okay, I'm sounding <laughs> like think... um... <laughs> sounding like Jason Thompson because he's quite <laughs> quite the scientist, isn't he? Yeah, I was. Going, he, I, was going I wish he was here. He would know. He would be able to explain it. Thing is this. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't wanting to tag game him with my rant, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, I'm turning Jay's talks with them, just trying to make things make sense. I'm with him on this. Where mm. I, I try to make sense of it, even though, as, as you say in Doctor, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt and just yeah, go with it. Um, yeah. So this final scene where he drops her off, this is the scene that made me like Donna. This is the scene that was when I first watched it was like yeah. That, yeah, that there was something there. Um, and I know we've had all these other moments, but this was the one for me. Um, she turns him down and he makes it snow like a magician. Mm. You know, just hitting a button on the TARDIS and what does it say? Um, atmospheric excitation. Yes. Um, and they say Merry Christmas to children and everything, but again, he's very much saying, right, please come with me quite tentatively. Hmm. But then she says no and shocks him by saying, you, I saw your face today, you, you scared me to death. Mm. You always live in your life like that. And says the, the line is when she says, he says it's out there, it's beautiful, and she says, and it's terrible. Yeah. And his face just drops because he isn't expecting that reply. I don't think anyone said to him before, you know, rather than, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go, I'm excited, let's go travelling. Yeah. He's basically yeah. saying it's terrible out there, and his face just drops as if to say, mm. Not all the time. Mm. Yeah, she says she scares she, he he scares her to death, and then you know, I think obviously later on we know that she regrets that she doesn't she doesn't go with him. But I think maybe for the time that for that time in her life she makes the right decision. Yeah. Yeah, but what she's just seen and mm. the day she's had, I can kind of. I mean, people say, who would ever turn down going in the TARDIS? But actually, after the events of this episode, I can kind of understand Donna's point yeah. of view. Yeah. Because she's just been put on the, uh, the TARDIS. She's, her wedding's been, um, as she says herself, like she's been married, divorced, and a widow all in, and widow in, all in one day. Yeah. Um, she's seen a guy obviously drain the Thames and kill, a, be, committed genocide, essentially. Mm. Um. Yeah, I, I would think that would be a lot to process. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, she's got her parents in her house who she's saying, oh, you know, and with Sylvia as well, 
at that point, pro- I mean, maybe she get. I think she gets a bit more courage later on, obviously, to to do it. But probably yeah. you're thinking mm. Sylvia would kill me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love how he tries to clear off, and then she keeps shouting back, even though like her parents in the house didn't seem to hear her, even though she's shouting at their voices. And also, she's she's standing in in the middle of a a, a street at night in December, wearing a, a a a wedding dress with bare arms. You'd be thinking she'd be absolutely freezing by then. Yes. <laughs> and she says, of course, find someone because you need somebody to stop you, mm. which is a theme that. Is throughout the tenth Doctor's era, really. Yeah. But that last line is perfect, where she says, "Of course, what was her name? Your friend." And he mm. says, "Her name was Rose." And Tennant's face, and he's acting with that line, just says yeah. a million things. There's a little bit of there's a yeah he's a little bit you know dewy eyed there, isn't he? It's, it's like he's trying to stop the the tears from falling again. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's a nice way to finish it, and it's almost like it's a bit of closure that you'd you'd hope maybe that he moves on, but of course the idea is that he doesn't. He's still still mourning Rose, even though he's got um, you know a, a doctor who is I'm not you know not not saying that Rose is thick, but far more intelligent and far more um, you know older and possibly more worldly wise. Than um than Rose would have been, um, and he doesn't seem to realise that, but because he's still got, he's still got you know Rose in his head and his heart, hearts I should say. Yeah, but she comes back later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um, and it's a lovely little different dematerialisation effect where he, it just sort of goes up like um, yeah, rather than just disappear. Mm. And the final shot is Donuts. Turning round and going into her house. And going going into the house. house. Yeah. yeah. And we get this brilliant trailer. We had great trailers back then mm-hmm. uh, for the new series. And of course, we see everything from um, witches to Cybermen. Yeah. Yeah. And also, right at the end, you get the Daleks in. Yeah. And, and it is a very good, yeah, that, that series three. Um, it's there's some really good stuff in it there's you know you've got um you know the return of the face of bow you've got i mean i i thought when i saw the um the jadoon first i thought oh hang on have they brought back the 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 kraals because they're quite sort of slightly rhinoceros i'm thinking oh they've redone the kraals but they haven't um but of course there is another monster that they bring back which i think you know thinking about monsters that you would bring back the macro very very far down the list. Yeah, if, I, if, I at all, if at all on the list, anyone would have guessed that unless I had any no. insight knowledge that that they mm. would come back someday. Mm. Absolutely not. I <laughs> mean, the macro, mm. um, and yeah, so it goes into series three, which is my personal favourite series. I love series three. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's a couple of episodes that I like more than others, as you'll know. Um, <laughs> they'll talk about that one. Um, well, that's just experiment. Um, <laughs> you don't <laughs> say. You've kept that one quiet. Uh, that, that that one's actually came out in the like in the future. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll be able to. I'll that one. I'll be able to just be even its luxuriousness for a couple of hours. That'll be good. That'll be a, that'll be a three-hour podcast with on how how <laughs> how wonderful it is. Yes. 
Um, some other facts about the Grunnery Bride. Um, there was a lot of deleted scenes in this. Um, she originally, Donna, noted that everyone at H.C. Clements were all a bit snotty, stick thin. Still, I thought, I won't be staying long. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vicar said at one point, excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt at a time of, well, I'm not quite sure what the world is, but regardless of your circumstances, it's an equally pressing concern. I have another wedding booked for 3.30. But Donna disappeared, weird Sylvia. You saw it. Indeed, and we can discuss making a mockery of the church at a more convenient time. Nevertheless, if she's not here in 20 minutes, then I'm afraid the wedding is off. Mm. Um, the vicar, I read, had quite a beefier part, but he had most of his stuff cut out, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, prior to seeing the Santas at the hotel, as he ran off, the doctor was confronted by three Santas, but they turned out to be just three guys dressed up before <laughs> we saw two robot ones coming. So it was the gag was obviously going to be Oh my God! There's the Santas, and then it's actually yeah. just the old men. Oh, actually, no, yeah. it isn't. But then isn't. they would yeah. turn around again. They'd turn up again. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of cut Donna dialogue. So there's lines like, "You're not dissecting me. Keep your alien probes to yourself. Mm. You are dead. You are so dead. Oi! I'm talking to you. I demand to be taken back to Chiswick to the taxi driver. But so that's all in the taxi driver. But um, mm. the dissecting bit thinks when she's in the TARDIS and she's getting like. He's probing on and all that. But that night in Alicante, we were happy then. Wasn't that nice? She says to Lance when they're both in the, the web. Mm-hmm. What's the capital of Spain? Barcelona? How many times? <laughs> <laughs> so they're having a bit of that still going on. There's another scene where I think they're in, is it Donna's car or is it Lance's car? And it's a smart yeah. car. And all three yeah. of them are all squeezed in and going over a speed bump. Yeah, and, and the doctor says, well, we're not in any hurry. <laughs> <laughs> Bella Emberg filmed a scene as well as Mrs. Crute, reprising yeah, her role from Love yeah. and mm, But it, that got cut out, sadly, as well, yeah. That got cut out. Um, they're on a bus um, trying to get to... Um, can't remember if that's where they're trying to get to H.C. Clements or not, and then they get a, I can't remember. Mm. But um, he thought that the Doctor and Donna were married and congratulates them on the bus, and everyone's um, applauding them on the bus until they get off. Um, and she basically t- puts his hand off, apparently. He's like, didn't he get any ideas? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's in, when they're en route to the reception hotel, so mm. it's the bit where yeah. they, they go from the roof to yeah. um, the hotel. The Empress revealed... I fled to the edge of the universe and drifted in silence, in the cold, in the dark. But then, oh, but then, these oh-so-curious humans detected something. They went digging down and down and down. So, yeah, she that's woke her up in her star. Obviously, there's some, when the little Ragnos get awoken or get disturbed, yeah. mm-hmm. she's uh, in her star, wherever she is at the edge of space. Edge of the universe, she says here. So she's been going from the edge of the universe. She must have went really fast. Um, mm-hmm. Later, she said to Lance as he was force-fed the particles, drink deep my court jester. So she, think, she says things like court jester, but she's obviously picked up the English language and read the dictionary and she's paid my lance. And she also later revealed a million born every minute with the Ragnos. So, yeah, the... We would have been in right trouble if uh, they had woken up. Uh, yeah. Mm. A million born yeah. every minute. A million born every minute. That's that's uh, that's that would keep a midwife happy and busy. <laughs> the organist who recorded the 
the wedding scene at the beginning. I thought this. He recorded the wedding march instead of bridal chorus, which was associated with the arrival of the bride. So he's actually playing the wrong song. He's playing the song like at the beginning you get when you leave the church rather than he when is, you arrive. He is, isn't he? Yes. Do you know what? I didn't notice that before. Yeah, but you're right, isn't it? Yes, that's... The, um, well, I mean, saying that, we didn't know that. Um, but okay. yeah, people would... Yeah, it's it's the... That's what that's they play as, as, you, as you go out of the church at the yeah. end of the service, yes. Apparently the organist just recorded the wrong song. So <laughs> they, they just had to put the wrong one in. It, it's a bit like the... Probably apocryphal story about um, one bride who wanted the the music from Robin Hood, meaning the Brian Adams song, to be right. played as they as as they come in as she came up the aisle to, for her wedding, um, and the the organist got it completely wrong and played the um, Robin Hood, Robin Hood, riding through the glen. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how true that is. I can't remember who it was who told me, but many oh, years can ago. Oh, you imagine? You just think it was, it's, it, it, you know, it's possibly one of those sort of, I don't know, it, but it does sound like it could have happened. Tennant's parents, his sister-in-law and his nieces were extras in the sequence where the car travels to H.C. Clements. However, the scene was re-recorded as Julie Gardner disliked the original pink car used. So we only ah. briefly see it because they cut a lot of it out, as we've mm -hmm. said, but... Yeah. Originally, when they filmed it, yeah, all his family were in the background as extras, or oh, something like his okay. pedestrians. But yeah, a week later, after transmission, was the debut of the Sarah Jane Adventures in Torchwood. Of course, yeah. Both on New Year's Day. Mm. Were they both on? Oh, I, I didn't. I thought, both on New Year's Day. I thought Torchwood was sort of sort of January. Okay, yeah. Well, sure, sort of was, later, later, sure later in. I thought. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. I mean, I, I definitely remember seeing the first, um, the first one of, um, of Sarah Jane Adventures, um, thinking how how wonderful that you know this lady's got her own series as as Sarah Jane, and that you know how how well people had accepted her coming back for for school reunion. Um, and it is a good series, um, you know. I, okay, yes, it is it is aimed for children, but. Uh, um there's there's a there's some very good episodes there and and the the young cast are very very good and uh yeah i think it it would have yeah if liz hadn't died so so suddenly and so tragically it would have it would have gone on for a good few years after that yeah, yeah the guy who plays um it's not tommy it's not tommy Knight, it's the other guy what's his name again oh uh, um, daniel anthony yeah daniel anthony yeah. he is not aged a day no, I, he's yeah, he's, in, he in, still uh, looks. Yeah, he looks exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And Torchwood, I'm sure was. I, I might be wrong. I'm sure it was the same day. And but they done. They showed the first two episodes back to back. Mm -hmm. I seem to remember. So the first yeah. episode you had, uh, obviously, like Captain Jack, uh, um, drugging Eve Miles, mm. <laughs> and. Um, in the second episode, you had a, a sex gas creature thing that killed people. Yes, um, I, I've got a yeah. I like Torchwood. I don't love it, um, and I think you know if you if you offered me the choice of watching the Sarah Jane Adventures or Torchwood, I think I would actually go for the Sarah Jane Adventures. But that's me. Final thoughts on the Runaway Bride? Um. It's it's great fun. It's just what you want at Christmas. It's um, it's lively. It's exciting. It's got a great panto villain. 
and I know Doctor Who fans don't like that word panto, but you know, um, I, I think Sarah Parrish's. I think Sarah. I, do you know what I think? That's one of the things about the new series. You don't get a real good lip smacking, you know, um, real bad villain. Um, Mazen Kavarian, I think, is quite good in in series six, but she's very much underused. Um, um, yeah, Diana there Rick. aren't that many. Di oh yeah, Diana yeah. in, in the, well. the Crimson yeah. Horror. She's absolutely fantastic. Um, she's got the name of actually a Doctor Who villain. You know, she's she's those. Yeah, and one sort of close to to this story. Um, in season series two, you've got um Maureen Lipman in the um in the Idiot's Lantern. Oh, yeah. I know, I know, some people didn't like the <laughs> hungry feed me, but there's there's one line in it where where she says, says "I will consume you, Doctor," and that's how you that's how villains should say the word Doctor. You should say the word Doctor like it's a swear word. That's Julian what Glover says it. Well, isn't it? Yeah, like, Julian Glover at the end of City of Death Part Two. Doctor, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Instead of some villains who say doctor, yeah, you got to sort of real give it a good sort of just spit it out like it's a swear word. <laughs> I think this one, I mean, last the last one I did was Ark of Infinity, which I'm liking less and less every time I see it. <laughs> I think this is the complete opposite. I'm liking this one more and more as I see it. Because I don't mm -hmm. remember, as I said at the beginning, this one being... I mean, I didn't ever think it was bad, but I didn't think it was that memorable when I first saw it. But every time I see this one more and more over the years, the more and more I like it. It's just yeah. it's a fun romp. It's got some big moments in it. An over-the-top mm -hmm. villain. It's the start of Donna's um, journey, of course. I, yeah, I really, really like it now. Whereas mm -hmm. before, as I say, I, I was a bit... Well, it's, it's all right. But I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm getting, I'm appreciate the the jokes and the wittiness more mm. than I did. I think that's I think that's true of quite a few of the Christmas specials. I think maybe because they're viewed in isolation and they're not quite so serious as 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 you yeah. know regular series episodes. Um, they're bigger and bolder and and the, there's there's the tendency to write them off. I know I did with um, the husbands of River Song, which I I wasn't overly keen on, um, and I think the earlier earlier scenes are a little bit, uh, yeah, a, a bit bit um, slapstick. But the scene where um, they're in the restaurant and the and Rivers saying about how wonderful the Doctor is, and Peter Capaldi has just stood there with that smile on his face, and it's just it just melt. He just stands there. With a smile, and it's not a smug smile. It's just such a warm, lovely smile. And then she turns around and she sort of gives him a double take. What are you looking at? And he just says, and he floors everybody. We're going to say hello, sweetie. Um, so yeah, that's that's a similar situation where I've sort of, sort of not dismissed it, but it's like, well, that's a nice, you know, fluffy Christmas episode. Let's move on to something a bit more substantial. Yeah, um, that's how I feel. This one, and yeah, I love the husband's of her song. It's mm. it's, yeah, it's so funny. Um, stick out moment. Oh, the car chase, definitely. Or the, the, yeah, the, the 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 scene on the motorway, because you know it's sort of that's that's what every kid in the world or every kid who's watched Doctor Who would wish that as they're driving along, the TARDIS would fly on, alongside them, 
And, I didn't remember uh, ever having that fantasy as a kid. I don't think it went. Why did I not have this in my brain when I was a kid? Um, I mean, I think I imagined I'm turning up on the street corner. You know, the, mm-hmm. that's the other one that they always say, isn't it? Where mm-hmm. they you always imagine the, the tar just turn up in your street. But yeah, I can't, I can't think I ever remember thinking when I was in a car, but so it must just be me. But um, yeah, it's, it is a, a brilliant idea. Maybe it's all, all on those long family holidays going up to see my grandparents in Scotland. That's that's probably what I would have been imagining just to <laughs> pass the time, you know, in the days before we had sort of in, in-car technology to, to play, you know, CDs and things like that. Having to listen to what my what my parents wanted to listen to on the radio, which was usually Radio 4, which as a kid is very boring. <laughs> oh, I had to put up with uh, the likes of ABBA, um, Carpenters, all that sort of thing. And these, because we used to have family holidays up north um, mm-hmm. when I was growing up. So, yeah, I, I must have heard the ABBA album. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I love ABBA, but um, but yeah, Cliff Richard and all that. I had to listen to all his songs, mm-hmm. so I got an education in seventies music, eighties music, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> car journeys. <laughs> What's the standout moment for you? I think it's the, it's that rooftop scene. I think it's the Donna has her first settled moment, and it's just the chemistry between them. Mm. And they're just saying, you know, like Robert Sanders, what is this about? And then he explains, and it's just it's very soft between them, um, mm. rather than all the hyperactiveness that's been yeah. before it. I just really like that moment. Um, and he, is, he uses a fire extinguisher in the, in the TARDIS. Um, yeah, I just I just yeah. really like that scene. It is a good scene. Yeah, and as you say, it shows the chemistry very well between the two of them, and um, and and what a, a softer, you know, more vulnerable Donna would 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 be like. Yeah, and and proves that she's that Catherine Tate is a very very good actress, and and we were. You know, very fortunate to have her, and we're very fortunate to have her coming back now. So, yeah, yeah, they're back. Mm. They are back. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with her story, won't it? It's mm-hmm. and we get Jack's back as well. Oh, Sylvia's back, and um, Sylvia's a, back. A, a little bit of um, a little bit of Wilf, bless him. Yeah. yeah, that that will be quite hard to watch. I think, um, quite emotional. Um, I just hope that they filmed. I mean, I, I dad, they probably didn't film what they the amount that they wanted to film, but I hope he gets he's not just uh, a bit part in it that he yeah. plays quite a substantial part in visiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's that we'll have to see. Um, but hopefully, he has a good slice of the story, as it were. Mm. And also, Miriam Margulies being the voice of Beep the Meep. Um... <laughs> yes, that'll be. Fun. Interesting. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> been wanting her to be in a Doctor Who for years, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm surprised it's taken us so long to yeah, get her in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is, isn't it? There's so many mm. actors, there's a lot of actors where you think, how on earth have they not been in a Doctor Who by now? And she's definitely one of them. Yeah. Joanna Lumley is another one. Why Why have they never asked her? Because I seem oh, to remember watching... Bring... One, but I don't think that's really... I brilliant. know, but yeah. And that was, that was okay. But... Um... Yeah, I would have liked to have seen. We still can see her because she's still with us and very much. And maybe also um, Linda Thorson, just to have all three Avengers ladies 
you know, we had Absolutely, Catherine, yeah. we had, you know, we had um Honor Blackman and Diana Rigg. We've got to have, you know, let's have let's have the, the full set. <laughs> all four of them, all four Avengers ladies. And there's probably some Avengers fans saying, What about you know Julie Stevens who played Venus Smith? Well, yeah, I think she's still with us as well, so we'll get her in too. <laughs> Well, Daniel, before we, we finish up, will we see what other people thought of this? Um, yeah, we had a few, few well, comments because you put in... Um, yeah. I've, got, I've got them up here. Um, James H said, greatest chase scene in the whole of Doctor Who, but they missed mm. a great cause of Axos throwback given the very unseasonable-looking weather <laughs> in every single shot. Yeah, yeah could, we could have came up with a sort of... Well, because the Ragnar star was coming, it caused the weather system to get mm -hmm. scorched. It did say about this planet will be scorched, so maybe literally, or she was scorching the British yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, Jim Allenby says, thank you for your comment, Jim. You said, uh, my opinion on this is that has changed recently. I used to absolutely love it, but over the years, I've grown to love it less and less. Also, the opposite Ooh. to yourself. I love Donna, but she's a tad irritating in this episode. As for the question, is this the moment Tennant really finds his feet now he's away from Rose? Ooh. Oh, um, well, when he's a tad irritating, yeah, I, I would, and it, I would have said that before, but mm -hmm. I, I found this time when I watched it that it, I found it really funny. <laughs> um, so that's so I'm sort of softened on that. Yeah, this and the she's, yeah. Sorry. I was going to say that, yeah, and there's, there's, you know, there's, there's um, moments where she's quite soft and vulnerable, like, you know, on the roof and um, at the end. So, yeah, I, yeah, well, I can understand whether you, you might find her a little bit irritating. It's just more tenant really finds his feet now. Um, he's very good in this, mm -hmm. but I don't think it is. Um, I think it's, um, um. I think it's the end of grid walk, actually, because that's when sort of the, it depends if it, if Jim's been in tenant the actor or the doctor. Yeah. Um, if it's the doctor, <clears throat> I'd say it's. I would say it's. Um, yeah, I'd probably say gridlock. Although it takes till the end of the Lazarus experiment to, <laughs> um, before <laughs> like Martha's treated like as part of the team as it were because he's doing yeah. the whole one last Not just, one, yeah. trip, one last trip. Yeah. Pretending the actor, um, I think he starts. Think... I think he starts off really strongly, and then I get, I get, I'm, I, I didn't really warm to the Time Lord victorious shouting, you know, throwing his toys out the pram, and um, he he could get a little bit irritating um, sometimes. But I mean, my wife absolutely loves him, so you know, what do I know? <laughs> we, 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 the children say, you know, the, the, you know, they'll say, oh, look, it's it's Doctor Number Ten. That's Mum's favourite Doctor. And then one of my other children said, yes, but Dad's favourite Doctor is Number Four. So there you go. <laughs> um, you know what? I think more I think about, it, I think Jim's right actually because in Series Two, I mean, it's like any Doctor. Mm. Uh, the first series is always like finding the feet. The second mm. series is, is like pushing the boundaries. And then the third season is, right, they know exactly what they're doing. They're, they're in the groove. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. What's irritating about the new series, of course, is that 
Nipty seems to want to stay beyond three years. <laughs> I know, it, you know, it gets annoying. Yeah, gets annoying. I would like, but, it would be nice for them to stay a bit longer. But, yeah, probably because it's a change of companion. Yeah, I mean, he, he is very good in this. He shows a lot of range in this. Mm -hmm. um, and he's not playing just to love sick puppy. Like nice. Sometimes he's doing a little bit in um, series two. So, yeah, I think, I, think you've, I think you're right, Jim. But this yeah. is really where he starts to... Um, although in series two he acted very well. I mean his his performance in Doomsday mm. is superb. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm going to go with Jim on this one. I think uh, yeah. this is probably the moment mm -hmm. he starts to find his feet. And I think it's it's also a moment where the show where to the general public it shows that Doctor Who can survive without Billy Piper because she'd been right from the, the first episode of the um, of the new series, a very integral part of it. Um, and I imagine that, that a, a lot of fans would have been going, well, or a lot of new fans would have been going, well, oh, I, don't want to, I don't know if I want to watch it now that Rose is gone. Because she was such a, such a pivotal part of the, of the show's original, you know, success when it came back. Oh, yeah, her and Chris Eccleston were mm. like a, a joint 50-50 team, really, that first series, yeah. weren't they? James H says, I still think the taxi chase is one of the best ever scenes in Who. Mm -hmm. Can't disagree with that because it is an absolutely fantastic scene. It, it is, really, really it is. is. It's so well shot. And I mean, I, I shudder to think how long it took them to piece all that together and put it in the edit. But it must have taken them a long time. Yeah. <laughs> to get on and somebody who says, oh, God, oh, God, no, oh, no, no. Oh, yes, that's it, uh, dear Andrew. <laughs> Okay, he right. says, absolutely incredible se segue. Is it segue? I don't know how you pronounce that with this word. Um, segue or segue from screwball comedy to you did a genocide and I think you need a hug. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair point. I think he's right. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, see, I mean, I keep saying absolutely. Um, screwball comedy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then at the end, it's uh, the very serious moment where it's like, Right, well, I think you need to 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 take a step back here. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, spot on, Andrew. Thanks everyone for for your comments. Much appreciated. And yeah, that's the end of the Runaway Bride, uh, Daniel. Um, mm -hmm. why don't you tell listeners about your your blog that you're doing at the moment? Okay. Um. Well, it's I probably started a little bit late, but I've got a um, I've just started a blog called um. Well, it's going to continue after after this. It's called Days Like Crazy Paving. And I've started to do, I've titled it Things I've Learned from Watching My Favourite Doctor Who Stories. I've, I'm up to, I think I've done six so far. Um, um, so up from 60 down to, um, 60 down to, uh, 60, uh, 60th place is Destiny of the Daleks. 59 is Battlefield. 58 is the, oh, Hang on. 58 is... Oh, lost it, lost it. There we go. 58 is The Crimson Horror. 57 is The Gunfighters. 56 is The Haunting of Villa Diodati. And then 55 is Death to the Daleks. And 54 is Terror of the Vervoids. So, um, yeah, it's She's just cool. a little bit of... A little bit, yeah, nice eclectic mix. Um, all all 13 Doctors feature um, in the in the in the top 60 and um, some feature more than others. 
but yeah they just just want to sort of share what i love about those stories and what i love about doctor who and and in some cases it's a little bit of a rant so, so for example the 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 gunfighters i do sort of rail against older the, the the fact that older fans sort of in the early days of fandom and certainly sort of the early the days before we could watch everything on Britbox and iPlayer that their their word was law and that the gunfighters was the worst story ever and uh, you know everything else it was all rubbish and you know everything else everything from 1963 to 1977 was perfect apart from apart from the deadly assassin and then the, the Graham Williams era was terrible and everything you know so yeah and, and I love the I think the the um the gunfighters is great fun and, and not the the worst story ever but uh and no I don't think the worst story ever is the Lazarus experiment so so you're all right we won't fall out <laughs> it won't I'm be in the people. top six I won't be in my top 60 list but you know oh, come on it, it certainly maybe four yeah, um, Selma Barlow is good in that, <laughs> but I think I prefer her in Dinner Ladies. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've been reading them and I'm enjoying them. Uh, the, I don't agree, as I said, we, I can't agree with you with the Death to the Daleks being a good theme, you know. I know people sat, go after me after this saying, Carrie Blyton's music is great, but I love his music in the Silurians, but his other stories, no, it's, no. it's like she's great to me. I mean, it is a very unusual choice—a saxophone quartet for you know a science fiction series—and I, I think because I've heard it so many times, it does work. But you are kind of by the end of episode, by episode four, when you hear dun 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 dun. Oh no, not again! Oh, here they come! Here they come! <laughs> trundling along, bless them. Yeah, but, but yeah. I look forward to reading the your other entries. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks again for uh, your time and. Uh, coming back on it's been a joy and uh, i'll just say till next time till next time thanks for inviting me dave it's a pleasure as always hey i'm the doctor i can save the universe using a kettle and some string and look at me i'm wearing a vegetable